This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's four minutes past four, Wednesday, the 16th of December, getting Ebony. I love the call at the end of Ian Collins' programme. I thought that was the funniest thing ever, with the bloke saying, what are you dissing Tupac for? And Ian had to kind of explain to him, you know, because quite clearly the bloke wasn't all there in the in the brain department. No, not not Tupac. I heard you. You're talking about Tupac and all this kind of thing. No, Chewback, dear. Chewback. Oh, God's sake, honestly. Where do we get them from? There must be a home out there sometimes. A matron goes, your turn to make the phone call tonight. Nancy Delusional could be going into the Celebrity Big Brother house because she's got no other work around. Anne Widdicombe still salivating over Anton Dubeck. It's getting really embarrassing now. Watch her, Tony. She'll be knocking on your door come Christmas Eve. And the mum's parking fine, apparently, while she breastfed. I quite like the story. I don't believe it, but I think it's quite a good story. Uh, Tyson Fury's had a gay kiss. Tyson Fury's... Well, he's not had a gay kiss at all, actually. It's in an effort to try and do damage limitation and to try and prove that even when there's a gay guy there, Tyson Fury will kiss him on the cheek. But they didn't actually capture that moment because uh, otherwise Tyson Fury would be drummed out the brownies, wouldn't he? If you're celebrating your birthday today, you will be forgotten by family and friends. This is traditionally the day that people forget your birthday. And they go, oh, it's your birthday, was it? I'm constantly doing that to bit. They go, you missed my birthday. And I'm thinking, oh, dear, honestly. Luckily, I keep in the car now a load of birthday cards and things like that, just in case somebody comes and says, it's my birthday. But, I mean, do we bother sending cards anymore? No. We don't really. We sort of we just like to send them an email going or I, I send a text message. Have a great day thinking of you, which is which is good. Uh, the agony of uh, Michelle Dockery. It was only the other day she was appearing on the, uh, the television talking about the final episode and her fiance uh, died of cancer the other day. A very rare form of cancer at the age of just 34. She's absolutely devastated, as you can well imagine, as anybody would be. Uh, she flew back from America. Uh, she's now um, I think she was uh, with him. In his fast, uh, last hours, she spent her 34th birthday yesterday preparing for the funeral in County Cork. I mean, it's, abs- it's, a, it's a tragic story coming up to Christmas. Breaks your heart. It really does. So she's on the front of a lot of the papers for today, as is Star Wars. Well, I can't get excited over Star Wars. I was speaking to one of my, uh, my fellow presenters in this building only a short while ago, and he went out yesterday, he said, to get some uh, Vox Pops which is where you go and talk to people in the queue. And one bloke said to him, he said, uh, I'm, I'm number one in the queue. And so my friend Toby, who's doing it, thought that there was some sort of ticket system whereby you got to be number one. No, it's self-regulating. He says, when, when, when you come down, you have to go and see Mary. But, I mean, as there were only 15 people out there, it didn't actually make any difference. He could have turned up today and he'd been 15th in the queue. 15th in the queue for what? I've got no idea. But he was number one. And uh, people sat out there for days. Days and days and days. And I'm not here to criticise people who are obsessed with Star Wars and people who are obsessed with Chewbacca or Tupac or whatever he's called uh, or, or Wookiees or anything. I'm, it's not none of my business. But it is slightly odd, isn't it, that people get obsessed by films. People sort of dress up. There'll be more people dressed up in Leicester Square this evening than you can shake a stick at. And I think, it, I think it's great. Don't, don't get me wrong. I just I kind of think you, you kind of do that and then you go home and have a normal life. But a lot of the, the, these people kind of live it. They've got the posters and they've got all the films and they rewatch them and then they then they try and understand what people are saying and what was the meaning of this and when that came in here in the millennium and, the, and you think, oh, right, OK. It just takes it a bit too... I just watch a film if I like it, I like it. If I don't, I... <laughs> Bless me. <laughs> Bless me twice. Two sneezes this morning. There you go. I think two is good, actually. One a wish, one a wish two a kiss, they say. Uh, the lover who fleeced uh, a bloke of 150 grand only has to pay back 
a fiver. It really is. It's a mockery, our courts, isn't it, nowadays? But uh, there's also the couple who have exchanged the same Christmas cards for 37 years. Same two Christmas cards done the round. I prefer to call them tight. I know it's a bit novel, but you find them every year. There's loads of these people out there. Um, the the TV chef cook-off, sexist, apparently, because there's no women, I think, in the final. But, they, I mean, you know, whatever. Whatever, for goodness sake. I mean, you can't just magic people into a final, can you? Um, and the NHS told to show dying patients more respect. I, th- I mean, well, I mean, that that goes without saying, doesn't it? I don't think you could ever say to somebody at the end of their life, you know, somebody didn't show you respect. I think that's when, you know, you come into the world, they look after you and they smack your bottom and, you know, make you cry and all the... And that goes for the rest of your life. And then, you know, in your, in your last moments of life, you're expecting a bit of respect. Hearing, apparently, is the last sense that goes. Did you know that? So, in other words, if ever you're with somebody, and you might be today, you might be with somebody who's... Uh, who's uh, who's dying, somebody who's terminal, but they can hear you. They might not be able to respond, but they can hear you. They say that's the last sense that goes. So you have to make sure you keep talking to somebody. Tell them how much they're, how much they're loved and how much they have to let go. I had to say that to my mother. I can always remember that. They said because people, when they're, when they're sort of terminal, sometimes they, they fight it. As indeed you would. As indeed you would. I'd be fighting it. I remember going to have an operation once. They gave me gas. And I remember trying to fight it, thinking, I think they're trying to kill me. But you didn't know that. It was just... Uh, and, and people... The, I remember the nurse in the hospice said to me, just tell her to let go. Just to let go. Because people, you know, people do fight it. And I, I don't know how you ever get over that. I really don't. That's why Michelle Dockery will be sort of uh, going through that later on today. It's a terrible situation to be in. But I think the NHS should be showing dying patients more respect. As far as I'm ever aware, that's what they do. And they do it very, very well. We had a couple jailed the other day because they weren't very good at looking after patients. But we weed them out. Once we've weeded them out, then we get rid of them. And they'll probably turn up in private uh, private health care, which is, uh, you know, a completely different ball game. That's for people who are very, very rich and can afford to uh, to have it. Uh, what was the other story that I was interested in? Oh, yeah, the, the parking fine, Mum. That was a very odd one. That was a very odd story. It did make all the uh, the papers today. And uh, as usual, you know, because the moment you sort of talk about breastfeeding, people go up in arms. They, they don't hear the proper story. So I'll, I'll read you the story uh, in a minute. I've decided to save it, actually. I've decided I'm not going to, not going to tell you straight. There's no point in sort of preempting, is there? No point preempting. I'm going to make you wait for as long as possible. <laughs> Drag you out for the 4 a.m. spike, the 4:15 spike, the 4:30 spike, the 5 o'clock spike, the 5:30 spike, and uh, and then it changes a bit at six. But I'm more than happy to keep you for two hours. I did tweet yesterday, listening to the program. You know, it's a different way of looking at the newspapers. If you don't like it, go listen to something else. Don't worry, I've got loads of other people. You know, we are the biggest programme at this time of the morning. We do get everybody. We do have the biggest spike. And uh, mainly because I think what we're saying is what everybody else is thinking. You know, people standing... The amount of people I get saying to me... I I bumped into a lady yesterday. Didn't know her from Adam. I don't think that was her name. She wasn't uh, one of these transgender people. And uh, and she said, I love your programme every morning. She said, every morning. She said, and I agree with everything you say. Most of the time. And I said, listen, most of the time is, is good. I don't mind most of the time. I, I can live with most of the time. That makes me fairly happy most of the time. But uh, the amount of cars. I told you yesterday, one of, the, one of the blokes from one of our sister stations, he said, every cab I've got into in the last week, he said, they all, once they find out where you work, they go, do you know Steve Allen? Do you see Steve Allen? What's he look like? I always tell them, you know, lie. Tall, Amazonian, blonde hair. A little bit like the god Thor, I think. You know, if you can imagine the god Thor... Uh, that, and then you look at a picture of Steve Allen, roughly the same, you know, the blonde Amazonian hair flying in the, you know, I always used to, I used to have an open top car. 
Well, I didn't, but somebody tried to take the roof off it, so it became an open-top car. And I, I remember I used to go down the motorway, and I would, and the, the wind brushing through your hair was fantastic. I mean, it really was absolutely amazing. I used to love it. I used to love it. You'd get out the other end, and I'd look a little bit, little bit tousled. And I thought, that was, that was the best thing ever. The best thing ever. If you could actually manage to sort of get your hair all sort of ruffled up, it was a good thing. And that's why I'm quite jealous of people who've got long hair. There's a bloke who's on um, QVC, and I think he sells Yankee candles. He's got what I call girly hair. He's got hair that I mean, it's lovely condition. It's very nice and shiny, but he has it down as if he's about to look like Nana Muscuri. You can't miss him if you're a QVC shopper. You know exactly who I'm talking about. And, uh, and he's on there, and you think to yourself, because a lot of people with long hair, men especially, tie it back. You know, in two bunches with ribbons, I think, on many an occasion. But, I mean, I quite like long hair. I'm quite jealous that I don't have long hair and the fact I couldn't uh, I couldn't actually grow it now if my life depended on it. <laughs> Although I, I, I wouldn't mind actually grow- Can you imagine if they actually came up with a cure for baldness? Which I think they have. I think it's called castration. And, uh, and I thought to myself, it's a bit drastic to go just so you can grow hair. But I'd love to. People go to any lengths nowadays, don't they, to grow hair. They will do anything. They sort of, you know, they've taken this tablet, that tablet. They've rubbed this on. We've had cows who've said, oh, every time they lick these people's hair, it starts growing again. I thought, have you seen the size of cows' tongues? My Lord, don't want to go out of the house ever again. And, uh, and people try this. They rub this in. They've tried minoxidil. And, of course, you've got to keep taking it. Uh, sometimes it might not work. Sometimes it will work. It's quite expensive. The moment you stop taking it, you go back to where you were had you not taken it. So all your hair drops out immediately. But people are that desperate, aren't they? Some men see it as a as a downer. They see it as something that, you know, they can't do anything about. You know, I'm, I'm less of a person, less of a man if I don't have hair. And I think as long as you keep it cut fairly short and as long as you make your hair look fairly neat, that's OK, isn't it? I don't think there's any problem with something like that. It's when people do the comb-overs. Sometimes it doesn't work. Comb-overs, maybe not the best thing. Maybe not the best thing. Just just get it cut short. I know it's the last vestige, isn't it? You just don't want to lose your hair. But unfortunately, we have to. And uh, you just have to get over yourself. You have to get over it. So we'll take all your texts and emails this morning on 84850. Steve at lbc.co.uk. We go through the papers. Uh, We've got some stories in there. We do have the breastfeeding story. And uh, what else have we got? We've got, um, oh, the Star Wars, because tonight's going to be very, very busy. Uh, Also, the giant rats who ate our Christmas. They're a rather miserable-looking family. Dwayne, and he's only 31, but he looks about 70. Uh, So we'll talk about him. And uh, what else are we going to talk? Oh, yes, Charles. And the access to all those cabinet secrets. That's very old, very old. It's quarter past four. Steve Allen on LBC. Chris, uh, who's going to be doing the travel for you in about uh, just under an hour's time, uh, says the guy from QVC follows me on Twitter. He sells the... It's the Yankee candles, is it? Yeah, he's got this very long hair. And it's very smooth and it looks like he's covered it in Mazzola Royal. And he sits there. He does look like Nana Muscuri. I'm expecting him any minute to stand up and go, Teal, the white rose blooms again. But uh, we didn't quite get round there. But apparently, uh, my housemates who are Yankee Candle fans on QVC love him. <laughs> he says, I know the shame. Actually, some of the Yankee Candles are quite nice, but some of the uh, the scents don't actually smell like they're supposed to, you know. I, I, I like any old... Ca- as long as they're scented candles, I don't, I don't really mind, actually. But uh, he says, I have no idea why. Uh, I don't follow him and I don't know him from Adam. Well, you do now. You do now. And hilarious yesterday, my friend, uh, my friend Jez, 
uh, who um, he, he was after some free clothing the other day. I said, I'm done, I'm done, talk out of turn or anything like that. But um, uh, anyway, the girl who, who had some, some clothing, her, I think her boyfriend's got a company or something. And so she said to him with a straight face, I mean, I couldn't stop laughing. She said to him, have you ever done any modelling? Have you ever done any modelling? And and the uh, and the problem was he believed that she wasn't taking the Mickey, and so I said um, I said you aren't a model. And he wrote to me yesterday. He said I'm going to be doing some modelling. He just sent me a text now saying um, uh, I'm not in today. I've got a big catwalk show to do. Well, the trouble is he's not he's not tall enough to do modelling because if you're going to be a catwalk model, then you've got to be around about the six foot two. I mean Josh, his producer, would be a much better model. You know, and would look more... Actually, could probably actually quite easily be a model. He's absolutely the right build. He's very, very... T- you wouldn't miss him on a catwalk. You really wouldn't. Good-looking, sickening. But when it comes to Jez, he's sort of... I mean, he, he's more sort of knitting patterns, I think, on woman's realm. I think he's sort of the person who would probably be advertising things like that. I don't think he's ever going to get to do modelling. And then he says, I'm on the cover of Vogue next week. He's very delusional, even at this time of the morning. Uh, 84850, uk. All of your texts and emails, we weave in on the programme. And uh, and the story about the breastfeeding woman. Here is the story. This is a really bizarre one. OK, so woman goes shopping. And she's blasted. She looks like she's about to... I'm surprised she's not disgusted. They're mainly disgusted in the papers, aren't they? Uh, a heartless car parking firm for refusing to scrap a ticket she received whilst breastfeeding. Okay, she wasn't breastfeeding in the car. You know, otherwise that would be fairly simple. Anna Scriven admits she was an hour late returning to her vehicle in a store's car park. The mum of two said, I was genuinely using the facilities, so thought they'd reconsider. But that's probably naive. Incredibly naive of you, dear. Because you have no proof that you were even in the store. So she gets two hours free parking and then she's an hour on top of that. So three hours she was away shopping. Shopping. I mean, to be honest with you, I'm slightly sceptical. They say she'd shopped at Morrison's uh, when her seven-week-old daughter needed feeding and changing. So in other words, she's already two hours in the store. She appears not to have bought anything. And uh, and then she, and then the, the daughter needed changing and uh, and feeding. This takes her an hour. She's got to be the slowest mum. Anyway, she went to use mother care's facilities, says it can take an hour to breastfeed. Parking Eye said Anna did not provide proof of purchase, showing she'd shopped at Morrison's, because quite clearly she hadn't shopped at Morrison's. Quite clearly, we have a case here, based on the evidence. When they said to her, where is your proof of uh, you've been shopping in Morrison's? Because what a lot of people do is they pull into, say, Morrison's car park and they tiddle off and go somewhere else. They go do their shopping somewhere else because they're bone idle. She said, I threw the receipt away. Well, I don't believe you, dear. I don't believe you. You don't throw... You might throw the receipt away when you get the food home. You don't come out of the store and throw the receipt away, do you? Not straight away. You don't do that. Unless, of course, you're telling big porky pies and you're trying to get out of 50 quid. We had a couple the other day, didn't we? Where had they gone to? Was it Lidl? Lidl? They'd gone in there. They bought loads of food. 177 quid's worth of food. This, this, this woman, and uh, she's got two... He's a, she's a single mum. Lucky she's got loads of money, so that's OK, isn't it? You know, that's the benefit system. And her grandmother as well, or her mother, who's fairly ancient. And she comes outside, she's got a parking ticket. Another one, they obviously just wander around the store doing what they want. She gets back, she's got a parking ticket. And she goes, we can't afford that, I'm a single mum. You go, you've just spent 177 quid on food, dear. You're bloody loaded. Loaded you are. And this one here, you know, so she goes to mother care. Are you telling me that Morrisons don't have facilities for breastfeeding? And also, if you were changing, could you not have done it in the car? 
I mean, I'm only pointing out the patent, the obvious. You know, I'd hate, uh, you know, as when indeed the case of the Primark woman who claimed that her child was ripped from her breast. I mean, you know, we were so tempted at the time to go, I don't think Primark actually have that kind of policy with breastfeeding. They're very easygoing on breastfeeding. They, You know, they almost positively encourage it. Could stand there at the till and breastfeed if you wanted to. But uh, this lying old trout turned up, you know, at the police station. You know, they ripped my child. And we, we knew she was lying to start with. Primark then had a duty of care to try and prove to all these other breastfeeding mums, because immediately exploded, didn't it, against Primark. How dare you treat her like this? The real thickos out there, like the bloke, you know, phoning Ian Collins, who was quite clearly off with the pixies. Off with the fairies, that one was. In fact, even, I forget what Ian Collins called him, but whatever it was, it was, a, what a bozo, I think, or something like that. I mean, it kind of sort of fitted quite well with him because he was obviously a bit thick. He'd obviously, I mean, he, he sounded as if he'd obviously be, you know, of course, you know, because you was talking about Tupac and all this kind of stuff. And so I'm, I'm listening to it thinking, well, I don't remember hearing that bit. I don't remember hearing that bit. And uh, Ian goes, I don't know what you're talking about, mate. I don't know what you're talking about. And it turned out he'd misheard Tupac for Chewbacca. I mean, really... I suppose really Chewbacca, I suppose, would have actually been a little bit easier. Then we could have understood it, couldn't we? Really bizarre. Oh, look, here he is. Here he is. Well-known, dirty little boy, Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury's the man who, uh, uh, despite uh, sort of telling us what Christian beliefs he has, decided that sleeping with another woman whilst he was still married is OK, even though he'd obviously forgotten the Ten Commandments by that time. Thou shalt not commit adultery. You know, that also means you, Mr Fury. This is the man who, you know... Uh, now he, he's found somebody called Paul Cole. Paul Cole is 41 and uh, Paul is a, is a shop manager and he said, I can't stand you. He said he wasn't homophobe and suddenly rubbed my beard and kissed me on both cheeks. I go to the newspapers with that story. Oh, you have been to the newspapers. He says, I've changed my mind. He's a big friendly giant who'd float my boat if he was gay. I think kissing you on both cheeks, darlings. I don't think. I mean, perhaps you're perhaps you're one of those sort of people who sits there going, um, "I didn't like you before, but now you've kissed me. I really like you." He's not going to be interested, okay? You're a wizened old man at 41. Uh, Tyson Fury is a well-known homophobe and, and an adulterer at the age of 27. But that's Christianity for you nowadays. The different people's interpretation of the Bible never ceases to amaze me. It really does. But uh, anyway, not a pleasant person. No matter whether he comes out there and kisses you on both cheeks or he doesn't. Frankly, you're a bigger dipstick than I thought you were. Jane Moore's column is very good like that. So we'll come round to uh, some of her nominations, some of whom you'll like. In fact, actually, I believe that you'll like all of them, and Anne Widdicombe's little column. There's never a never a wink goes by when our Widdy doesn't get the hots for old Tony Beak. You can see her now as she writes it, salivating over his picture, which apparently is on her sideboard. I love you, Anton. Do you love me? No, he doesn't love you, dear. He thinks you're a little short, fat woman who can't dance. OK, and he's not wrong there. She's in pantomime, of course, but then every day is pantomime for Anne Widdy Widdicombe. And uh, she likes... I, it, I think he's actually the first bloke she's ever got the hots for. I think it's the first bloke where she's she's literally gone. If I mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? And it ain't coming back with your name, is it, Woody? Not coming back. If only you'd looked after yourself more. If only you'd been thinner. If only you'd been taller. If only you'd not been so old. You know, he might have been interested. But as it is, he's not interested. You know, you could be the last woman on a desert island you know, whizzing around the palm trees in a sarong and he still wouldn't find you attractive. You know, it's a sad reflection. You know, it doesn't matter because he likes the old birds. 
He likes them to dance with. He doesn't actually... Have you ever seen him out with anybody? Have you ever seen Tony Beak out with any girls? I've known a couple of girls that he's had, let's just call it relationships with. One of them was what was coming known in the business as Easy, so I won't tell you who that is. Could be anybody, couldn't it, really? That narrows it down to about 5,600 people who've been on Celebrity Big Brother. Incidentally, talking of Celebrity Big Brother, I see that Nancy Delusional has uh, managed to get herself a gig on it. You know, this is the woman who thinks... Oh, 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 oh I've just remembered. Sorry. Uh, so, so Nancy, uh, they think she could be TV gold. I don't think she could be any gold at all. I mean, she's so dreary. She couldn't sell tickets for her own one-woman show. She was so bad... She was so bad. Unfortunately, she's dragged out, you know, and they keep going, oh, isn't she sexy? I don't think so. I don't kind of... I'm looking at pictures of her, and to be honest with you, you know, any woman who goes out, you know, with a see-through top on, perhaps they all look like this in Italy, but I'm led to believe they don't, and they think that she could sex up the Big Brother house. I don't think so. I don't think it's very... like They're not going to like her in there at all. Nobody likes her on the outside. Why she think... But of course she needs the money. She's broke. Considering she keeps telling you she's a hotshot lawyer, I'm still waiting to see the evidence. I mean, where does she appear in court? You know, is this is this here or is this in it? Where is it? I just want to know. But apparently, she's reportedly suffered financial troubles in recent months. Recent years. Recent years. However, you could not wipe the smile off my face this morning. Bad news is afoot. Bad news for Peter Andre's latest tour. Now, I know that many of you were thinking of possibly going down there. Not not buying tickets, just standing outside and uh, watching the people who go inside. Uh, one of the papers reports this morning, try not to laugh, that at the O2, which is... Uh, it's about 20,000. 20,000. And even with curtaining it off in three sections and trying to make it look more intimate, he's only sold about 2,600 seats. Now, this is what's commonly known as empty... OK, in a 20,000 seat venue. Empty. I played, of course, as you know, some years and I don't want to rub his nose in it. I played the Fairfield Halls in Croydon. Admittedly, uh, people did pay to sit in the aisles and we sold the whole place out. We did better than Petula Clark. Petula Clark had the whole top curtained off at the Fairfield Halls. We had it all opened up. We were maximum capacity. Twice. Peter Andre has suddenly realised that the audience who bought his uh, his little record, and bearing in mind he opted out of the Strictly tour so he could do his own little tour, thinking that the publicity would be great, has suddenly realised that the British public aren't remotely interested. Front cover of OK magazine, dreary old Peter. Dreary old wife, dreary old kids. And one of them's backlashed. Uh, little princess... Really attractive little girl. Uh, she's in the papers today because she's done her own little video saying, I do my own makeup. She's eight years old. She's as gobby as her mother. Unfortunately, neither the mother has any more talent than the daughter does for applying makeup. But that's that's what they do. But they actively seek publicity. So the papers have put them in there. But uh, I suggested if you are a Pizzi fan, you know, perhaps could you buy a ticket or something and, and sort of help him out? Because it's not looking promising. I mean, at this rate, Pete, Pete might have to find another reality show to do because he's announced in OK magazine that him and Ems might be trying for another baby. Might be he needs to keep working, you know, for quite a long time and hopefully saving his money because very shortly he's going to have more children and no work. Because if 2,600 seats in the O2 is the best he can manage in London, and this will be the biggest captive audience, he's in big trouble. Big trouble. 20,000 seat venue. And, of course, it costs the same to hire it, whether you have it all open or only half open. It's 4.30.
Look at the team this morning. At seven, an independent Catholic girls' boarding school has introduced finger vein scanners to keep tabs on their pupils. How that works, I've got no idea. Whilst The Guardian estimates 30% of all schools in the UK have fingerprinting technology. Is it a step too far or a good way of stopping kids playing truant? A foreign national convicted of drug dealing and recommended for deportation is entitled to damages for unlawful detention. Shouldn't the cash go to victims of crime? And it's called Khan, Labour's mayoral candidate Sadiq Khan taking your calls. And as the UK gears up for tonight's Star Wars premiere, they'll be talking to the man who played the world's most famous movie villain, Darth Vader. Yes, Dave Prowse will be talking to Nick Ferrari this morning on LBC, looking at the papers, Gillian Joseph, the Sky News Presenter today, says Joan, a small group of ladies at lunch are lunching at Oslo Court for our Christmas lunch. I know you love it there. Let the champagne flow. I love Oslo Court. It's the only restaurant I've ever been to. It's in a block of flats called Oslo Court. And uh, it's uh, I think it's the same price. Whatever you have on the menu, they've got everything from lobster all the way through. It's it's just it's uh, it's what I call it's a nice Jewish ladies day out because they look after you really well. It's, it's, it, it's, I've been there on, I can't tell you how many occasions I've been to Oslo Court. I absolutely love it. I think the food's great. The company's great. It is like being in somebody's sitting room. Well, in fact, it is actually somebody's sitting room because that's what it was. It was a, it was a flat. I don't know how big the kitchen is, but they turn out some superfood. And they have a sweet trolley as well, Joan, as you probably know. And they've got everything from fruit salad to profit rolls. I, mean, I think it's really great. Seriously. It's, it's what I call a bit of a hidden gem. But if you're in the know... You know about Oslo Court. That's that's the way it works. That's the way it works. So you have a lovely time. I'm expecting a photo to be sent to me tomorrow of you ladies at the table. Get somebody to take it for you. There's no end of people who do that for you. Uh, you mentioned your friend could model knitting patterns. Roger Moore started out that way, says Ken. He did. He so did. He so did. And um, I was very successful at it. Very, very successful at it. And um, Kate says, please come back to Fairfield Halls. I pay good money to see you live. Well, I'm hoping that sort of people pay good money to see Peter Andre. But it turns out that they've suddenly realised that uh, that Pete isn't as committed as we thought he was. So he ditches the Strictly audience, which is millions, to play to 2,600. I mean, it might, it might boost itself up you know, to maybe three or something like that. But if they've got to curtain it off in three areas, that's really bad news. That's really bad news. I mean, I've seen places where they've done it before. If you're playing a big venue, I mean, I think he thought, let's book myself into the O2 and and uh, 20,000 people will pack it out. Quite clearly not. Quite clearly not. I think he's underestimated his audience. I think the truth of the matter is people are bored witless with him. They're so bored. You know, front cover of OK magazine. OK, seen it, done it, bought the T-shirt. Now go away. Go and sit at home. Go and do something. Go and play with the kids. Go and take your wife out on days out to the seaside. You know, stop showing off. You know, we've had enough of it. We've seen you dancing. Not particularly good. You're OK. And uh, you did that. And then you thought your your tour was going to sell out, didn't you? And uh, obviously not. I mean, that would be the biggest embarrassment of all. The papers will, will lambast him for that. Lambast him. They'll have an absolute field day. Excuse me, I'm just... Mm. I was just trying hmm. an orange segment because it's something. Because you know, if you're, if, I know if you're lying in bed at the moment, and I know what it's like because I've I've been there, and well, not in your bed quite clearly, but I mean, I've been in other people's beds. Well, you don't know them, but I've got phone numbers and things like that to prove it, and photographs and a small video. But I remember thinking at the time, whenever I've listened to somebody on the radio and they've taken a slurp of water, all of a sudden, you, no matter what you do about it, your mouth goes dry, and you think. I'm not going to get out of bed to go and get a glass of water. And I always say, say to people, 
You don't have to. You don't have to get out of bed. You'll want to go to the toilet in a minute by the time I've finished, but you do do uh, a little glass of water, and I've heard people on the radio drinking water. Mm. And it's delicious because it's ice cold, and you're now really angry. I can tell you're really, really furious because you know that within about a minute you're going to have to get up, but you don't want to miss anything on the programme, so you're going to have to go during the ad break. So it means you've got to wait another six minutes because if you miss something on the programme, you're going to come back and somebody's going to say, did you hear what he just said? And you're going to go, no, because I was, I was getting water from the kitchen. I had to go to the bathroom as well. But then I discovered that orange does exactly the same thing because orange is very juicy. Um, looks delicious. And it just sort of... Mm, it goes all squidgy. But yesterday I bought some lychees. Now, I was with somebody yesterday who had never seen lychees before. Because most people only ever see them on their plate in a Chinese restaurant. You don't really get them anywhere else. You know, you go lychees with uh, ice cream. Yeah, I'll have my ice cream, thank you. And so I bought fresh lychees yesterday. Now, at the moment, they're working out about six sixty a kilo, £6.60 a kilo. And a friend of mine said, what are they like? And I said, well, they come in this hard shell, like that. Oh, you probably can't hear that. Does this sound any better? There you go. In between that and the water, I tell you, you won't be moving out of the bath. You'll have to move the radio into the bathroom, won't you, very shortly. It'll cut out the middleman. And what you do with lychees is you uh, you bite a little bit out of the shell. And then this thing that vaguely... Res <laughs> the moment this friend of mine saw this come out, he went, ah, because it's very, very squidgy and juicy. And it looks like an eye. So it's it looks like a fish eye because it's got a stone in the middle of it. And they are absolutely dripping wet. That's the trouble with lychees. They're very, very messy. Whichever way you look at them, they're very... And then you go... Like that. And they're really... It's made it worse, hasn't it, for you now? You knew you'd suffer with this programme this morning, and I was determined you'd suffer with it as well. Because people have done it to me before now, so I thought I might as well, might as well get my own back on them. So in between the lychees and the orange segments and the water and the cup of coffee, it's all going quite well this morning, isn't it? And we haven't even got as far as five o'clock. Small wonder more people tune into this programme. They go, have you heard this bloke in the morning? What does he do? I've got no idea. But before we knew what had happened, it was half past six. And we'd, uh, we'd managed to listen to the entire programme. And then he has a free podcast as well. He doesn't. He does. He has a free podcast every day. And he has another podcast. He, do he does. Seriously, we've downloaded it over the years. Well, how many has he got? Hundreds. He's also got the In Conversation podcast. He's not. He has. I've seen them. He's got every celebrity under the sun, every from Roger Moore through to John Cleese, through to Billy Crystal. Go, oh, he's gone everybody. He hasn't. He has. He does this in conversation programme on a Sunday. When? Sunday. What time? Five. Five o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And until when? Six. No. He does. And then is he back again at what time? He's back again at nine in the evening. Different programme. No, same programme. It's repeated for those people who can't get up in the morning. And he's here on Saturday morning. He's not. He is. He does a best of on Saturday morning between five and seven. Good God, how many days a week is he working? Six. I thought you said he was on Saturday. He's pre-recorded on Saturday. But still, I bump into people and they go, I heard you this morning. What was it you were talking about? I go, I don't know. It's a pre-rec. I, I get quite blasé about pre-recs. Um, uh, Katie Derham has hit back at, oh, sorry, at, uh, at claims that uh, she and her partner, Tony Beak, uh, cheated to get through to the first final. Which, of course, is the biggest load of rubbish I've ever heard. Of course, they don't need to cheat. I thought it was a little bit remiss. In, in an effort to prove that she's got two left feet, they decided to cover her feet with dry ice. So I had that on one of my shows. 
dry ice. I think at the Fairfield Halls we had dry I quite liked it, actually. In fact, I'm pretty certain there was dry ice there. I think only on one of the shows. On one of them we had snow, and on the other hand, one we had dry ice. And so um, they've now insisted the show's not fixed. Well, I mean, why would it? They don't need to fix it. They don't need to fix it. It doesn't make any difference who they kick off. It'll always be somebody sort of, you know, winning who you weren't actually expecting. And, um, and so uh, a lot of people said it's a ploy to get Anton into the final. And that's why Anne Whittacombe has salivated over Anton. The fact he's in the final, she gets to see more of him. You know, if he, if he took his shirt off, I think she'd probably collapse. I have a sneaking feeling that would just about be the ultimate. If she got a picture of Anton standing there with his shirt off and he sent it to her, to Anne Widdy Widdicombe, I think she'd absolutely go, Anne, Anton, she'd go crackers for that, mate, crackers. Uh, very interesting that they've got a picture in uh, a few of the papers today of, uh, of a daredevil called Louis Fernandez Candala from Rio. He was snapped at a place called Pedra do Telegrafo in Brazil. And uh, it looks like he's hanging off the end of a rock. Uh, unfortunately, it's not what it seems. It's sort of an optical illusion. He is, in fact, only four feet off the ground. But the Daily Star obviously didn't know that because they haven't told you. It's the Daily Mirror that says, and they've, they've taken the other picture to show you, he's four feet off the ground. But because of the angle it's taken, it looks like he's suspended 10,000 feet above the beach. It just goes to prove, you know, you couldn't believe everything or you shouldn't believe everything that you actually see in the uh, in the newspapers. Uh, also, the TV shows that you used to watch as children. So they've asked various people um, who, who work for the newspaper what your favourite uh, shows were. My friend Jez now thinks he's been booked for Amani uh, and Harper's Bazaar because he thinks he's a model. As I say, if he had height on his side... He might be booked, but he's 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 a little short person. I'm not saying I'm not saying he's uh, he's sort of standing in for Snow White's friends, but he's pretty close to them. You know, if one of them drops out at Christmas, he's in there straight away. He'd be grumpy. Children's shows. What were your favourites? They asked Alison Phillips. Hers was Crackerjack. Crackerjack. And uh, and that was great. And it was uh, you know it, it was just a good Ed Stupot Stewart, Stu Francis, Peter Glaze, Don McLean. It was a good program. When you look back at it, my God, it looks simple. You know, children's programs. We were obviously much, much easier pleased. Um, Funhouse, and uh, this was with Pat Sharp. Um, I I don't know if I remember Funhouse. I'm not sure if I remember it. I remember one with Keith Chegwin, apart from the one where he took all his clothes off and did a nude game show. That was a bit embarrassing, wasn't it, really? <laughs> I sent the sympathy card to Maggie Philbin immediately, saying, I'm so sorry for your recent loss. And, uh, I mean, because that was the only programme I think I've ever seen a celebrity that I knew from the television stark naked on television without being pixelated. And um, and it was and they they build it. It might have been Channel Four or Channel... I can't remember who actually did the blooming thing. But uh, it, was a, it, was, it was called The Naked Game Show. And they persuaded Keith Chegwin to do it. And I thought he'll walk out and he'll have a little... You know, a little leaf covering his offending article. No, stark naked. He walked out in the glare of cameras. They had two teams and they were all stark naked. And apparently the reason he'd agreed to do it naked was if the whole film crew were naked as well. So all the film crew working on the show, uh, they all took their clothes off. I'm going to try it here this morning, actually, just as a little, you know, just to get people in, in sort of the festive spirit. I thought if I take my clothes off, they'll have to take their clothes off because I'll just humiliate them. You know, I'll stand on the table and wave it around. I don't care. I'm not proud. God, can't stop me at Christmas time. 14 minutes to five. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, 13 minutes to five, Wednesday, the 16th of December. Why is it 
when somebody gets to the dizzying heights of being a chief inspector uh, within the uh, establishment, they they kind of go off the rails. And there's one here. This is a disgraced detective uh, called Tanya Brooks. She was a chief inspector. A chief inspector. I mean, I don't know what you earn as a chief inspector, but I'm assuming it's uh, <coughs> it's a fair bit of money. Anyway, she bought cheap items in bulk on eBay and at discount shops. And then what she did, she created false bank statements to claim 11 grand in refunds from shops including John Lewis, Boots and Waitrose. So she served four months of an 18-month sentence. Uh, the judge at Winchester has now told her she must pay in six months £25,000 or face another 18 months in jail. He said she had benefited to the tune of 25000 What is it about bent coppers? I mean, surely you've reached the dizzying heights of being, you know, a chief inspector. I mean, that's pretty high up. Whichever way you look at it, that comes with, you know, a good bit of money. I mean, do they think they're never going to be caught out? Or are they that naive? I mean, surely she couldn't have been that naive, but quite clearly she was that naive. So uh, she's ended up having to pay £25,000. Her lawyer said that the numbers appear to reflect what companies lost. It is ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, it, it really is absolutely ludicrous. Uh, then, oh, I forgot to do the other TV pro. Sorry about that. I moved away from the, the children's TV programmes. Uh, Sarah Wallace, she said, uh, Biker Grove, <coughs> which gave us um, <coughs> Anton Deck. Pipkins for Ian Highland because he is older than God himself. Kevin Maguire liked Doctor Who. Fiona Phillips, Camberwick Green. That was quite sweet, wasn't it? Polly Hudson liked Rent-A-Ghost. Brian Reed, do not adjust your set. And Port Routledge, Journey into Space. I do not remember Journey into Space. It's way before my time. But uh, some of your favourite children's programmes uh, this morning. I'm sure you'll have come up with some uh, some really, really good ones. Alison Phillips talking about uh, Cheryl's marriage. Is it completely burgered? The answer is they're not sure. Uh, it either is or it's just publicity, puff, uh, an effort to get some sort of sympathy uh, or whatever. I mean, I just, whatever it is, I can't imagine. And I did say at the time what what poor old Cheryl has got in common with her husband. I've got no idea. He comes from a well-heeled family. He does uh, he does restaurants and she just puts makeup on and that's it. She doesn't travel. She isn't cultured. She doesn't have the refinements. She doesn't have anything at all. So what was the attraction? Answer is based purely on looks. She's what's commonly known as a trophy wife. In the same way that Aristotle Onassis married Jacqueline Kennedy. He certainly didn't need her for money because Aristotle Onassis had billions, the Greek uh, shipping tycoon, and, uh, and uh, Jackie Kennedy had nothing. Nothing. Not a penny piece. But she had the name Kennedy and that's what he wanted. He wanted people to... Uh, to appreciate the fact that, you know, he could uh, he could pull one of the world's most glamorous women. And he did. Little short fat man. But he was absolutely minted. Minted beyond a shadow of a doubt. He was one of those, you know, prior to all the Russians having all the money with the oil and everything else. I mean, he was a Greek shipping magnet and he was mega rich. So when you look at poor old Cheryl's marriage, she looks the part. But then she opens her mouth and completely ruins it. He, he, he must have taken her home to meet the mother. And the mother must have gone, what's she saying? What's she saying? Because nobody knows. So we've got no idea, you know, what's going on in her marriage. And to be honest with you, I don't think it's anything to do with us. But if they if they insist on selling their, their stories to us, then uh, then they have to get the, uh, the outcome at the end of it. Apparently, uh, over the Christmas holidays, she said she's going to eat Christmas dinner and eat chocolates. 
and then go to the toilet and be sick, I should imagine, because she doesn't look as though she eats anything at all. Her cheekbones are so sunken, and that's with makeup on. Every time she smiles, I mean, it literally, there's something the matter. It's not quite right. And I'm sure that we're going to find out very shortly that, in fact, she's got an eating disorder and she didn't want to talk about it and blah, blah, blah. There'll be something, won't there? Already the makeover has started for uh, Louisa Johnson. They've sort of got her in some, you know, different outfits now. Unfortunately, they need to concentrate on the music. They need to concentrate on the music uh, because, you know, that's where it lies. It's not in her sort of where it... She's only 17. They all look like this at 17. The other ones, was it Holly and Bolly or whatever they were called? As somebody said, and I said on the programme the other day, I'm so sorry, anybody who voted for them, are you tone deaf or something? They can't sing for Toffee. And they're going up to... They weren't fun. They were rubbish. It's not fun. It's not fun. I don't want fun from people. I want to see that it's a singing competition. If it was a comedy programme, I could understand it, but it's not fun. There's nothing funny about two blokes who can't sing. Dreadful. Of course, Cheryl goes, Way eh? Gonna put you on my label? And, uh, of course, not her label. It's actually Simon's label, because she didn't know anything about the music business at all. Uh, the Clangers, says Jeremy. That was good, wasn't it? The Clangers. I quite like them. Cat Weasel or Wurzel Gummidge, says Paul. Yeah, I remember Cat Weasel was... I can't remember. Geoffrey Bailden, wasn't it? I think. And Wurzel Gummidge was just uh, good. Malcolm says, in order not to miss any part of your programme, um, I listen on cordless headphones. There you go. Listen on cordless headphones. And, and somebody said, I've just got out of bed and gone down to the fridge to get a piece of my dark chocolate orange. Woo! <laughs> uh, no room for Wookiee racism, droid bigotry and Sith sectarianism on Ian's show. I thought it was so funny. I thought that was the funniest thing. Funniest thing. Uh, with all these restaurant visits, how do we know you don't cheat on us? Moonlighting as a food critic, says uh, says Jim. Well, you don't. Well, you don't. Food cri- Imagine being paid to go out and eat. How lovely. That'd be quite nice, actually. <laughs> and... Uh, Another one here. Uh, oh, a lot of people talk about it. Amazing how many of you remember the Clangers, isn't it? I don't think people remember that, actually. Bagpuss, Mr Ben and Chalton and the Wheelies. Yes, Chalton and the Wheelies were very good. I thought they were quite good. Apparently, the guy on QVC, Yankee Candles, is a Native American, hence the lovely long, dark hair. Slightly girly, I think. I don't care. It's very shiny, though, isn't it? Very shiny. Very nice. Will Mark get half the proceeds from the sale of Margaret Thatcher's things? No. Uh, she's selling her things. She's selling what she's got. He can do what he likes with it. Nobody cares about Mark Thatcher. The man's an idiot. Complete and utter idiot. No, no, Carol Thatcher's selling her things. So she gets all of it. To be honest with you, she doesn't, um, she doesn't need the money. I think Carol has uh, and was left loads of money. Loads and loads of money. So she certainly doesn't need to worry about, uh, about things like that. And uh, another one here. Uh, Pauline says, I think you could be seen to be very benevolent if you offer to support Peter Andre at the O2. You pack out your gigs and you could show him a trick or two. That'd be a good idea. I could I could help out in that way, couldn't I? But unfortunately, Pauline, I'm neither benevolent nor kindly disposed towards Peter Andre. You know, for ages, he's sort of gone, oh, I'm a singer, and we've all gone, no, you're not. No, you're not, dear. No, you're not. And now I think it's been proven with these uh, these pitiful ticket sales. I mean, that really is about the worst I think I've ever heard. Worst I've ever heard. Uh, dates with destiny, which will come around to the other side of the news. They're looking at the time of year you're born, which has a lasting effect on your life. And today is the worst. They've got a picture of birthday girl model Danielle Lloyd. When did Danielle Lloyd ever do any modelling? Can somebody explain to me what, what, what uh, part of bimbo is, is included in the word model? OK, I don't think anything. A nasty little piece of work, racist in the extreme to Shilpa Shetty and uh, trying to reinvent herself. But she's not a model. 
What was what she ever modelled? Anybody tell me? Anybody got any campaigns that she was uh, she was part of? I'd love to know. Love to know. I'd love to be proved wrong. Very rarely are, but you know, occasionally. Very, you know, occasionally I like to be proved wrong on something, and then, as you know, I eat humble pie. Not, uh, but at least I make the effort. At least I make the effort. Uh, more on Star Wars. They've gone crackers for it round here. Crackers, crackers. But uh, there are people queuing outside this building. Even as I speak, they're all out there, you know, because they Star Wars. Yeah, Wookie, Wookie, and uh, it'll all be very exciting. Only for people who are interested in Star Wars. If you don't like Star Wars, you're going to be bored witless with it. Bored witless. Uh, Towie Star. He's not even on the programme, is he, anymore? Joey Essex. When was he on it? I mean, they just use him now as some sort of nerd to put on a programme. He's being blamed by traders for ruining a new high street market and making their town a laughing stock. Fans visiting shops owned by Joey and uh, ex, ex fat bird Gemma Collins block access. But Gemma said Towie has brought money, energy and people to the area. Yeah, darling, the wrong sort of people. The wrong sort of people. You know, other traders are suffering down there. Shame you don't uh, concern yourself. But of course, she doesn't live in Brentwood, does she? She lives outside of Brentwood. They always say that, don't they? Uh, Paul in Hove. Yes, it's an old joke, but uh, worthy of the programme. Steve says Journey into Space was a radio series. Ah, was it? Oh, well, that's why I wouldn't I wouldn't know it. Uh, another one here, 84850, steve at uk. Kenny, bless his heart, look at him, honestly. You can have a go at Peter Andre, but please kindly leave his children alone. Um, well, he, he exploits his children. So if you exploit your children and put them up in the media, I'm afraid they become fair game. It's, it's, it's the law, Kenny. I'll just explain it to you. You're not the one who phoned up Ian Collins, are you? With with the with the, uh, the with the the pack thing, are you? You sound as though you might be. I would like things like that. Always makes me laugh. Uh, Richard says, is there a webcam to see you and the crew start naked in the studio? Uh, well, if there is, we're all hiding behind uh, the producer. Because I reckon we could all hide behind the producer. Me being a little thin thing, I could hide behind him. We could all hide behind, couldn't we? If we were going to do it nude. I've often advocated a nude LBC calendar, which I think could sell well at Christmas. And all the presenter, I thought I'd be the festive one. I could be Christmas because then I could have a piece of holly or perhaps an entire tree, uh, which I could hide behind. You know, I'm not bragging anyway. You know, it's just, uh, you know, something. We could do it for charity, couldn't we? So far, nobody's taken me up on the offer, which is a little bit dreary because I wanted people to. Uh, Did I miss something, says Jeff on the one show last Friday? Danny Dyer seemed to be on a different planet. Uh, Alex Jones showed her true talents as zero. She can't interview. She can't interview for a toffee. I know. They've tried desperate, but of course the BBC like to persevere with people, don't they? So they stick them on every programme. So they've stuck her on every programme and she's still as dreadfully awful as she was the first day she started. Although, uh, thank God, Jasper Carrot was there. Although it was plain to see, he didn't want to be there. Matt Baker uh, was not there. Stick to Country File, please. Yeah, on Country File, Matt Baker's great. When it comes to an interviewing programme, not a clue. You see, there is an art to doing it, and these people don't have it. But because the BBC go, oh, people used to watch the one show, they never did. They never did. You had Adrian Childs and, hiya, Christine Bleakley on there. And it was the biggest pile of rubbish you'd ever seen in your life. But because they had celebrities on, and she was good at sitting there and dripping all over people, and he was there being, oh, hello, welcome to the one show. Adrian Childs. And we didn't know what on earth he was talking about, so they assumed it was fairly OK. And then ITV went, you're going to be ideal for doing breakfast television. Well, you'd have been better off taking Mogadon, ladies and gentlemen, because by the time Adrian Childs turned up on the set, uh, Adrian Childs, morning, people coming on interviews. And, and they switched off in their droves. Christine Bleakley, I'm afraid, was sitting there doing Plastic Girl. Hey, you. Hello. Hey, 
fucking great and all this kind of stuff. And it just didn't work. And so it only goes to prove that, you know, you can stick people on one show and they work really well. And you stick them on another one and they die on their proverbial. And uh, Peter Andre is dying on his proverbial at the moment. But good that the kids are still out there because he loves his kids. Certainly should do. He puts them on every blooming programme he's ever made. Uh, Michelle Dockery's agony in all the papers today. Her fiancé of 34 dies of a very rare cancer. The, uh, the papers that talk about it today. It's a, a dreadful, dreadful situation. Charles's decades of access to cabinet secrets. Apparently this is quite normal. It's, uh, it's written in that the monarch and the heir to the throne uh, are given privileged information. The mum's parking fine while she breastfeeds, but it's in another shop and she was parked in somebody else's. We get the feeling she's not being entirely truthful. And uh, 17,000 foreign students seek asylum here. I wonder why. It's LBC. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's coming up four minutes past five. It's Wednesday, the 16th of December. Charles's decades of access to cabinet secrets isn't the big surprise that we thought it all was. Apparently, it's been going on for ages and ages and ages. Uh, Katie Price's girl hits back and says she applies her own makeup. I mean, I suppose most eight-year-olds do things like that, don't they? The great painkiller con, the mum's parking fine while she breastfeeds, although she was in mother care, but she was parked in Morrison's car park. Uh, I want to go with Daddy, UK's major Tim Blasoff. Obviously, he's only gone 240-odd miles already. They're making phone calls home. Must be really homesick, and he gets to talk to his uh, wife and the kids, and it's lovely and it's wonderful. Nancy Delusional might be going into the Big Brother house. Oh, hopefully, she'll, she'll go in the swimming pool and stay there. Boring. Uh, the Games Addicts charity thefts and Jonah Lomu broke when he died. Broke when he died. They're going to have to have a, a whip round. And um, Scylla's statue is a smash hit. Apparently it's going to be like a jukebox, which I think is brilliant. I love the idea of that. All in favour of that one. It's nice to have you company this morning if you have joined us at Steve Allen's early breakfast. And uh, you're very welcome today. It's a bit miserable outside. It's a bit, uh, a bit wet. Steve, as you say, says Malcolm, the X Factor runners-up Reggie and Bolly can't sing. They should have been on Britain's Got Talent, where they wouldn't even have made the quarterfinals. I mean, they were just dreadful. And that's at the end of the competition. That's, that's what you've ended up with, people who cannot sing. And they seriously think they're going to get them into the charts. They'll have to be auto-tuned. It'll be sort of somebody else singing for them. We've had that before now, haven't we? And uh, Wookiees are terrible. OK, great. Uh, Peter Andre did this tour for his dad. Oh, God. I mean, honestly, it's so... It's like an oil slick, isn't it? Ooh, greasy. Yuck. Sugary sweet. Yuck. It's, you know, it's just ghastly. Isn't it funny, though? Ever since that bloke was uh, was suspended from the Antiques programme, the one whose name I now can't remember, um, is, is very rarely off my television or on the BBC, because that's how the BBC work. They tell you they're doing something, but they don't actually do anything about it. Uh, we're very short of uh, van drivers and truck drivers in the UK, Steve. Peter Andre should train up and come and help us with the Christmas rush. He could earn a proper wage. Oh, no, he's in show business. He's in show business. And, uh, well, he, he's not really. He thinks he is. He's in the, it's called the show-off business. You know, it's a course of, you know, put, put the kids on there and the wife on there and have a pretend Christmas. And then I'm going on tour. I don't know who he thinks he is. I'd love to know who he thinks he is. I can remember when he went into the jungle when he met Katie Price. He insisted on singing that blastedly tedious song, Mysterious Girl. And you think to yourself, oh, Go away, for goodness sake. Uh, Land of the Giants was a very good series. Uh, the man that called Ian was called Zack. I thought he sort of came from another planet by the sound of it, and Ian called him a bozo. This was the, um, 
This was the very interesting call where he thought that Ian was talking about Tupac. Whereas, in fact, uh, Ian was talking about Chewbacca. But uh, poor old Zach, not of the real world at all. In fact, not in anybody's world. Uh, the Tomorrow People, says Kim. Uh, yes, very good. I used to like the Tomorrow People. It was very good. Couldn't they do something with their belts? I seem to remember Mike, Mike, Mike. It'll come to me in a moment. Who was the lead singer. Very pretty boy. Very, very pretty Essex boy. Big family, I seem to think, Mike had. Somebody will tell me the name. Uh, Grain Shill and Swap Shop. Loved Swap Shop. Loved Swap Shop. What a simple premise. What a simple premise Swap Shop was. You know, you come on there and you've got... You know, I, I go, I've got a bag of, um, of doubloons here. And I'm looking for a looking for a washing machine. And somebody will come on and go, I've got a washing machine, I want a bag of doubloons. And so that's that's how it works, which is great, actually. I love it. I love it. It was such a, such a simple program. They used it on uh, radio stations all around the country. They all did things like that. Uh, HR Puffin Stuff, says Jeremy. Um, yes, yes, HR Puffin Stuff. I don't remember seeing it, actually. I've heard of it, but I do not remember seeing it at all. So I've got, uh, I've got no idea. <laughs> I just look, I just go along with some of these things. On the subject of old songs, Karen says, you were talking about old songs about a year ago. God. And so this morning, one of mine came back to us. I'm letting you know, Grocer Jack. Yes, it was excerpt from a teenage opera by Keith West. And there was part two that came out. Excerpt from a teenage opera part two, which was dreadful. But uh, that was the Grocer Jack, Grocer Jack, get off your back, go into town, don't let them down. And it was kids singing. And it was lovely. It had a nice trumpet solo in it. It was a super song. It was, you know, if you like sort of old songs, that would be a song that you would like. Uh, Noreen said it was Croydon Christmas. We had snow. Richard Hakia sang White Christmas. You had your brother, his children, Jan, Peter, uh, Corin and Tony, plus uh, John, Alan and Paul on stage. And it actually poured down. Great night. Richie was there, although we didn't get to meet. Happy days. We travelled home with Alexander Bemange on the train. Yes, it was. We had so much snow on the stage. It was, it's hilarious. It was good. So it was very funny. Very, very funny. Very, very enjoyable, actually. Uh, a lot of people asking about the webcam in the studio. I've turned it off. OK, I'm just sort of letting you know that, just in case people are getting too, too excited about the idea that you can actually watch this programme. Mike Holloway was the flintlock drummer who appeared in The Tomorrow People. Mike Holloway. That's right. Mike Holloway. And uh, he went into, I think he did Robin of Sherwood. And whatever it was, it didn't quite work out uh, with him and the uh, producer, Bill, Bill Kenwright. They sort of tried it and it didn't work. So they, they sort of did it again and it still didn't work. But Mike Holloway, very, very pretty boy. You look, you check him out. And I don't know what he looks like now. I should imagine he probably hasn't changed at all. He had uh, the wife and something like six children, I think. He was certainly very big in the bedroom department. That's, that's what they used to tell me. He spent a lot of time in the bedroom. And uh, very good in panto. So where he is this year, I do not know. Somebody could tell me. Somebody can let me know. Follyfoot, says Christine. Was Follyfoot the one that had the theme tune? Down in the meadow where the wind runs free. The lightning tree. Grow, grow the lightning tree. Was that Follyfoot or was that the lightning tree? <laughs> Stephen Maidenhead said, I loved Wurzel Gummidge. No, you didn't love Wurzel. You liked him, OK? You didn't love him. I've got them all on DVD. Southern Television, was it? Good grief. Wow. Uh, Peter Andre's O2 concert could be a warm-up gig when he plays Wembley Stadium because he said, says Tony, he was going to play a sell-out concert there one day. Oh, that's what it is. That's obviously what it is, isn't it? I mean, I've got it all wrong. The fact he can only sell 2,600 seats in a 20,000-seat venue means that he's, people are saving up for his big gig at Wembley Stadium. 
Can you seriously think that he's going to be playing Wembley Stadium? Didn't he say that in an interview? I'm sure it comes back to me in an interview that Peter Andre said, yes, I'm going to be playing Wembley Stadium. Uh, Jack Wilde was in H&R Puff and Stuff, says Jimmy in West Lancashire, who's possibly Jimmy Clitheroe. The Double Deckers. I remember vaguely the Double Deckers. Uh, I do remember Jack Wilde, of course, because he was the artful Dodger in Oliver and uh, he went on... Uh, stage. He then got cancer, didn't he? And uh, he was a very heavy smoker, I think, Jack Wilde. But as a kid, it's it's this old thing, isn't it? Can kids ever make it? Mark Lester was uh, was Oliver and he appeared on the television. Of course, by this time, they'd grown up a bit. Mark was about six foot something tall and uh, Jack Wilde appeared to have shrunk. Because, you know, when, when they're, they're child stars, they grow up and people look a bit different. They still look roughly the same, but, you know, different. Different. Uh, so now, you know, uh, another one here. Uh, da, 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 da. Uh, banana splits. The banana split. Is that the one? Na, 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 One banana, two banana, three banana, four. Yeah. And the monkeys. I liked anything with the monkeys. It's funny when you see them now, they're, they're sort of, well, there's only two of them left, aren't there? Three of them left. But Mike Nesmith doesn't uh, do anything with them because he didn't need to. He didn't need to. He didn't need to worry about the money at all. Helga liked Cat Weasel. And uh, Steve said, I also love Peter Andre. May he have a sellout concert after concert after concert. May he have a concert after a concert after a concert. Whether it's selling out, I do not know. White Horses, uh, listening in, uh, in Slovakia. On White Horses. There was a woman called Jackie who recorded White Horses. I remember that. That's the bit I can remember. I remember all the stupid things, actually. I, I do. I remember all the daft things about uh, anything else. And um, Mark says, I know of a way to fill any venue with old Andrex heading the bill. Yes, it's a good idea, but I don't think it'll ever work. Um, I think it's a bit embarrassing, really, because, of course, when they put something down there that's only 2,600 seats sold, I mean, he's not actually there yet. And so there, you know, there, there is the chance that he might actually sell some more tickets but normally, if you're going to sell tickets, they actually go fairly quickly, don't they? If you're going to sell tickets to a, a venue, you don't you don't leave it too long. I've got a charity uh, story for you. Somebody has been thieving from a charity, and um, and Peter Andre makes it to the uh, the showbiz column in the Sun today, which is not so good. They say is um, he sold oh sorry two thousand seven hundred for his come swing with me gig. But then you know his Pete's a bit creepy on stage. You know, they all do it, don't they? Because he can't make it in a normal market, so he's following Rod Stewart. In fact, he's copied him identically by just doing all these easy-peasy ballads. And uh, despite the curtaining off of two-thirds of the venue, uh, Pete's camp still fear it won't be full. A source said there's real panic whether Pete plays to 20,000 or 7,000. The production costs of playing a venue that size are the same. Well, he's not going to be playing to 7,000, is he? And that's the trouble. So what you do is you book a venue. You know, I, if if I booked the uh, the Fairfield Halls in Croydon, if I, actually we we were the only reason we never went back to the Fairfield Halls is because they changed their policy. When we when we when we did the Fairfield Halls originally, um, what we did was we sold it out. Then they sent us a bill, and then we paid. When we went and we did that for the second time as well. When we went back for the third time, they changed management, I think, and they wanted the money up front in case we didn't sell it out. We said we've sold out two shows here already. Why would we not sell a show out? But they wanted up front a lot of money, and we said no. So we didn't do it. 
It was as simple as that. It's a shame, really. But a lot of these places ask for sort of 50% up front and then 50% later in case you don't sell tickets. And in the case of poor old Peter Andre, he's going to be walking out onto the, to the sound of his own feet by the sound of it. I mean, I'm assuming he will sell out a few more seats. I don't see he's going to do 7,000. And, of course, the papers are going to be following it like uh, like nobody's business. They love stuff like that. <laughs> uh, 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. Champion the Wonder Horse. I didn't know he had a dog. Did he have a dog rebel? Says Gary in Denham. I do remember Champion the Wonder Horse, which was a great, uh, great series. Uh, I remember it not not actually from first time round. I remember seeing it on YouTube. Let's have a quick break, shall we? Quarter past five. Latest headlines. Lisa Aziz. Lee on LBC. Look at the team today. An independent Catholic girls' boarding school has introduced finger vein scanners to help keep tabs on pupils. Whilst The Guardian estimates 30% of all schools in the UK have fingerprinting technology. Is it a step too far or a good way of stopping kids playing truant? A foreign national convicted of drug dealing and recommended for deportation is entitled to damages for unlawful detention. Shouldn't the cash go to victims of crime? And it's called Khan, Labour's mayoral candidate, Sadiq Khan, taking your calls. And as the UK gears up for tonight's Star Wars premiere, surely not, we speak to the man who played the world's most famous movie villain, Darth Vader. I can't do an impression of Darth Vader, I've decided. <laughs> He'll be in the studio with Nick uh, after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. Looking at the papers, Gillian Joseph, the Sky News presenter. Jane Moore's column today, uh, her final column of 2015, talks about uh, the zero. She's, she's giving awards. Uh, you know, the Les Patterson Award for Services to Diplomacy. Uh, notable mention, Danny Dyer, runner-up Tyson Fury. The winner, Donald Trump, ladies and gentlemen, on that one. Uh, Coat Tales. Coat Tales, always very good. Notable mention, uh, Toddler Northwest, who, despite being just two, clearly wants in on the celebrity action of famous mother Kim Kardashian, managed to grab the phone. A lot of people ask me about the phone calls, incidentally. What network were they on calling from the from the space thing? Because whatever it was, it was a blooming clear line from 240 miles away. As, uh, as Darren Adam was pointing out to me earlier on, you actually get a worse line from Charing Cross Station to here. Uh, who else? The runner-up Carol Thatcher on the coattails. This is people who sort of, you know, piggyback on somebody else's uh, talent. Uh, flogging some of her mother's deeply personal mementos, including that red box. What do they say? £242,000 for that red box. That is some going. Uh, but the winner, of course, fresh from telling us how to lose a, a few pounds with Weight Watchers. Yes, it's Sarah Ferguson, ladies and gentlemen, who's continued to milk her royal connection by encouraging us to pile the funds back on again with her own range of jams, cakes and biscuits. And if that wasn't enough to make your hair curl, she can now flog you a set of hair straighteners as well. Yes, never let it be said that Sarah Cheapo Cheapo Ferguson was not flogging the family silver down the line. Exactly. Oh, I've lost all this weight with Weight Watchers. Have you really, darling? How miraculous is that? And of course, they still think she's something really special. I suppose she's just the fat bird who ran up and down on that It's a Royal Knockout. The embarrassment for everybody, I'm afraid. The uh, Cerebrally Challenged... Uh, the runners-up, uh, George Shelley and Yorgi Porter. Uh, the winner, actually, is um, is Lauren Richardson from Love Island, another one of the thickos who thought the Battle of Hastings was in 1862, which is remarkable, isn't it, really? And, um, and Lewis Morrison, who thought Lance Armstrong was the first man on the moon, when we all know it was actually that old bloke in the John Lewis ad. The Look At Me uh award uh, notable mention charlotte proudman you remember charlotte proudman of course you do charlotte was uh, outraged 
that a male colleague could dare to refer to her on a LinkedIn profile picture as stunning. Uh, she saw fit to go public, and in fact she appeared on practically every single newspaper and chat show she could get herself on until everybody realised she was about as boring as heck. And luckily she's disappeared back to obscurity, and let's hope she remains there. Uh, the runner-up, Paris Hilton. People still interested in Paris Hilton. And uh, this is the, uh, the woman who uh, posed an Instagram picture of herself in oversized sunglasses and full makeup, laying lilies outside the Bataclan Theatre in Paris, where 90 people were killed. The winner goes to Kanye West, who announced in seemingly all seriousness that he'd stand as a presidential candidate. Well, he couldn't stop laughing. We seriously couldn't stop. Poor old delusional Kanye, which was so sweet. Um, the, um, uh, the winner of the Nancy Delulio. Uh, for services to delusion, the world's most deluded old baggage of all time. Uh, Runner-up uh, Monica Bellucci, who hailed her casting as a Bond girl inspector as a revolution for more mature actresses. She was on screen for a nanosecond and spent half of it in her kex before being parked in a plot line siding in favour of a younger actress. Uh, the winner, Gwen Stefani's nanny, Mandy Min, not content with stealing her employee's look by buying the same clothes and recently dyeing her hair peroxide blonde, also reportedly stole secret trysts with the singer's now estranged husband, Gavin. I don't know. It's all too embarrassing, isn't it? Uh, triumph of hope over experience. Uh, notable mention, Ronnie Woods, foray back to a fatherhood at 68. Runner-up, Philippa Cohen, the 29-year-old new girlfriend of Jude Law, who currently has five children by three women. She's apparently a behavioural change consultant which could come in handy. The winner is Nagora Whitehorn, who at 35 is trying for a baby with Duncan Bannatyne, a man more than 30 years, her senior with uh, two marriages and six children already behind him. She's vehemently denied being interested in his £175 million fortune. Over to one-way tweeter, one-rye tweeter, Duncan. Paul McCartney online won, I think, for you. But the heroes this, uh, this time round is, uh, is the Queen. Now our longest-serving monarch, Andy Murray, Taylor Swift. She's trying to um, copyright... Was it Swiftmas or something? Swiftmas. I think she wanted it copyrighted. These people are so delusional, aren't they, really? I don't really care. But uh, Peter Clarkson, who showed the Dunkirk spirit by swimming across the flooded kitchen during the Cumbrian floods. Remember, I, we mentioned we singled him out on this programme, so we're on exactly the same wavelength as Jane Moore. But, uh, you know, the embarrassment that is Sarah Ferguson... She's flogging all sorts of things. But there again, look at the children. You only have to look no further than the children and, uh, and the husband to realise that's where she gets it all from. Very embarrassing. A charity treasurer is very embarrassing in the papers this morning. Uh, this one is wheelchair-bound. I shall have to take more care looking at wheelchair people. Her name, Barbara Dearnley. She's 62. She stole £25,000. She was addicted to Facebook games. Well, you know, I'm addicted to Patisserie Valerie, but I've never nicked anything to go and shop in there. You know, I tend to buy my own things. That's what's called working. In one game alone, she blew more than four and a half thousand quid on crystals to unlock new levels in a game. She also used the cash she nicked over four years to buy a car after exceeding the annual mileage allowance on her motability vehicle. She's been jailed for 27 months. She pleaded guilty to theft and false accounting. She was branded a serial fraudster. In other words, you know, it doesn't make any difference whether you're in a wheelchair or what you're in. Once a thief, always a thief. And uh, she'll be spending Christmas in prison. Ha, 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 ha. Uh, what else do we have? Oh, a boozy pensioner. I don't want to do a boozy pensioner uh, story this morning because I quite like the idea of boozy pensioners. I think if you've got to that age, you're entitled to be fairly boozy. Jan in Aldershot used to like Mike Reed's run around. He was the one who went, go, 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 go. 
Casey Jones, says Christine, who must be a little bit older than the rest of us. Casey Jones was the uh, driver of a railway engine. Casey Jones, da 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 Casey Jones. And uh, the one who wrote to me about uh, Vodafone, another mobile phone operator, who saw the phone call made live from the International Space Station, they may then wish to comment on how is it possible when I struggle with a signal to ring my wife two miles away when she's at work and end up standing on one leg, spinning around, going, can you hear me now? 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 Flipper. I like Flipper. Very good. Champion the Wonder Horse. Skippy and Black Beauty. Anything to do with animals then? Anything to do with animals? We like. I like any shows for children with animals. They've asked people um, uh, in the newspaper, one of the newspapers, The Mirror today, on their favourite uh, children's programmes, which is quite sweet, actually, because we've all got favourite children's programmes. And uh, have you noticed the Hollywood star, says Malcolm, are in the TV ads. You've got Harvey Keitel, Kevin Bacon, Jeff Goldblum. Have they fallen on hard times? No, they get paid a small fortune. Uh, my friend and I love Pete Jewell and Ben Murphy. Uh, the programme was... Oh, Pete Jewell and Ben Murphy was... Come on, you can help me out on this one, boys and girls. Pete Jewell and Ben, it was... They were on the run, weren't they? One of them died, wasn't it? Pete Jewell died, I'm pretty certain. But they were on the run and... God, what was the programme? God, you'll know it. You'll know it. Send it in to me now. They started on horses racing along the plane. Thank you, Sally. But, uh, no, somebody will know it. I can't... It, it'll come back to me. Brought back memories, those TV programmes, says Jill. But the one thing I always miss is Noel Edmonds, Christmas morning. Yes, I mean, that was the, that was the best programme. I don't know why they ever dropped it. It was some bloke who worked at the BBC who just didn't like Noel Edmonds. So, consequently, they just... Uh, they sort of dropped him from programmes. So, we lost Noel's house party, which employed more celebrities than anybody else on the television. It was what I call family viewing. You know, you don't have many family viewings. You can hardly recommend some of the dross that we have to put up with nowadays. But uh, no, family viewing he was. Christmas Day is set to be the warmest in 160 years. It's ho-ho-hot, ladies and gentlemen. Ho-ho-hot, which I'm sure is good. And um, I'll tell you what I used to like. I used to like a programme years ago. You won't remember it, any of you. Chico and the Man. And it was um, it was a Mexican programme with the theme tune sung by Jose Feliciano. And and I bought it a short while ago on DVD. I bought a series. Do you know what? I absolutely loved it. It was really, really good. Hannibal Hayes and Kid Curry. Was that what the programme was called, though? I know they played Hannibal Hayes and, and Kid Curry. But what was the, what was the programme called that they starred in? Was it that? Was it that? I'm prepared to uh, hold my hands up and say, I really don't know the answer. So if you can help me out. Smith and Jones. Thank you, Paul. Smith and Jones. Was it Alas... Or Alias Smith and Jones. Was it Alias Smith and Jones? It was something like that, wasn't it? Uh, thank you. Alias Smith and Jones, it was. God, Daisy, I knew you'd know that. I knew you had known. Um, um, you just reminded me of something Tim Vines said that made me laugh. The show hadn't gone down well and I was glad of the solitary person clapping as I left the stage. And then I suddenly realised I was wearing flip-flops. It's 5.30. Latest news headlines, Lisa Aziz... Steve Allen on LBC. Somebody said you can buy Peter Andre tickets. It's on uh, one of those sort of websites. 39 quid, apparently. Somebody said that's an awful lot of money for somebody who hasn't been in the charge for about 500 years. Uh, yeah, but he's obviously got his fans, hasn't he? And uh, perhaps his children will go. Well, in fact, I can always guarantee the children will go. Cathy remembers Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea and Time Tunnel. And uh, Clarence the Cross-Eyed Lion came from somebody else, which actually uh, was a programme called Dactari. Dactari. Ivor the Engine, the Wombles and Knowles multicoloured swap shop. Such a good programme. Such a good... Honestly, the simplest ones were the best. 
Um, heart to Heart. Not really children's programme, was it? This is my boss, Jonathan Hart. This is his wife. She's gorgeous. I'm Max. <laughs> Chips and uh, BJ and the Bear. I used to like, what was that other one? Grizzly, was it Grizzly Adams? The Life and Times of Grizzly Adams. That was quite good. Heart to Heart was, was good. Chips was very good. That was the uh, the California Highway Patrol. Eric Estrada and somebody else. And uh, another one here, very quickly. Is Jordan releasing a Christmas single? Mercifully not. Mercifully not. No, she's uh, she's just giving of her worst acting you've ever seen in uh, pantomime with that dull, monotonous voice. Uh, Chico and the Man was the Mexican version of Steptoe and Son. Uh, it's a CW. I loved it. I thought it was great. Chico, what you doing? It was so good. It was so, so good. It was really, really, really good. Really good. It's, it's, it sort of takes me back a little bit to my childhood and things that you do remember. Uh, Paul says people threatened Peter Andre and Kerry Katona by telling them, go on, better go to Iceland. Yeah, I think they mean the country, don't they? Cisco Kids, says Malcolm, very camp. I don't remember that one. I do not remember the Cisco Kids. I do not remember it. Or do I? I'm, I'm trying to go back into my mind. Lots of pictures in the uh, papers of Star Wars in, a, in America. And uh, they were all there. Harrison Ford is now 73. He was 35 when it started. 35. Uh, Daisy Ridley, who starts a new film, is 23. And uh, Carrie Fisher, who became a symbol of female strength as Princess Leia. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Help me. And uh, she's, uh, she's 59. Mark Hamill is 64. And it's going to be taking place in Leicester Square this evening. Now, you know that they're going to be bringing on the stormtroopers. There's going to be loads of them out there. Uh, you'll probably get R2-D2 and C-3PO. Now, whether or not it's the same people, I don't know. Because you can't really, can't really tell, can you? Do we think it's Anthony Daniels? There's no mention of his name here at all. Uh, Lucas sold the rights to, uh, to Star Wars to Disney in 2012. Hence, the, you know, the biggest publicity drive you've ever seen. I mean, Leicester Square this evening will be... Full of people who love Star Wars. I'm not one of them. I, I mean, you know, I, I like the film, but I'm, I'm not really a fanatic or something like that. It's just, it's just a film, isn't it? Just a film, and I'm sure it'll look absolutely marvellous on the big screen. Uh, Tales of the Riverbank, says Jane. Yes, Animal Magic with Johnny Morris. Yes, he was very good. Pogel's Wood, says David. I'm 54 and nobody my age remembers it. I do remember it, but I can't tell you what it was about. Uh, Sean in Brighton, the Banana Splits. Yeah, we, we did the Banana Splits earlier on. And um, what else did we get? Lassie. Lassie. How many lasses did they have? Didn't they have quite a number of lasses? Had to have stunt dogs, I believe, just in case one fell ill during filming. Because it was all sort of, you know, stop, start, stop, start, stop, start. Uh, a devious fraudster. We always find devious fraudsters on this programme. I don't intentionally look for them. They just throw themselves out of the newspapers at me. And uh, this is Rachel Simonite. Sounds like a case, doesn't it, really? She wormed her way into Jamie Buchan's life through his 12-year-old daughter and told him a pack of lies to get money out of him. Uh, he borrowed cash to meet her demands and is now in debt. 120,000 quid she got out of him. What could somebody possibly ever say to you that would make you go into debt to the tune of £120,000? Anyway, she was, uh, she's been jailed for two years and eight months. A judge has branded her devious and cunning. No, she's just a common thief. Common she is, really. She was given six months to hand over the paltry sum. And uh, this is, guess what? Because she uh, stole money from the sandwich bar where she worked, 21 grand. She's a serial thief, isn't she? I mean, it's just disgraceful. How, how much? Because she's got no assets, ladies and gentlemen. She's had all that money. She spent it five pounds. I know. If it was you, if it was your, you know, mother, father, elderly relative, 
She told uh, Mr Buchan a series of lies, including claiming she needed money to pay for the funeral of her sister, who'd committed suicide. And so all these people, you know, helped her out. She said she was in an unhappy relationship and needed money to leave her partner, but used his cash to fund a holiday with the man. And uh, they, they, they said to her, she's, she's ruined everybody's life. Uh, his, his trust in people has gone. She began gambling after being discharged from the Royal Navy on medical grounds. Yes, I can quite see medical grounds here, can't you? She's going to come out of prison and start afresh. Yes, finding some more people to target, I should imagine. Isn't it dreadful that people can thieve from people and they'll come up with some blatant lie about, oh, my sister committed suicide, whereas, in fact, the sister very much alive and well. But they do tell fibs, these people. Uh, Supercar and Fireball XL5, says Dave. And, yes. And uh, Pete Jewell committed suicide in 1971. This was from Alias... Smith and Jones, the ghosts of Motley Hall, the Red Hand Gang and the Littlest Hobo. Littlest Hobo was, I can't remember what the theme tune was, actually. I nearly sang a theme tune, but I think it was the wrong one I was singing. Uh, and the Red Hand Gang, I'm not sure. Bell and Sebastian and Robinson Crusoe. Oh, I hated Robinson Crusoe. You know why? It was a dubbed programme. It was a dubbed programme. You could tell that. It started with sort of footprints on the sand and then the sea washing them out. And... Uh, it was overdubbed. It was made in Swedish or something. I can't remember what it was made in. Somebody will tell me. But whatever it was, it was. Uh, it, I didn't like it at all. I went to the cinema, actually, to see a film once. It was something like The Last Snows of Spring, and it was supposed to be a sort of a sad, weepy film in the days when we went to see it. And when we got there, I started watching it, and I'm like, oh, God, it's dubbed. It was a dubbed film. We went through quite a few of those at the time, and I, I decided I didn't like dubbed films. They just, They just weren't... They weren't quite right. Ivanhoe, Rebel was the name of the German Shepherd and Champion, the Wonder Horse. Rebel, says Mo. And I go back uh, further with the Buccaneers. Hmm. Fireball XL5, of course, and Supercar were all from Jerry Anderson's stable. Steve, do you know it's Wednesday, not Friday? You're full of beans this morning. I am, actually. I shouldn't really be. I shouldn't really... Oh, dear. Sorry, it's my phone going again. I do beg your pardon. Uh, off to Kuala Lumpur tomorrow night. Uh, so Warren's going to be up uh, all day. Off to Kuala Lumpur. How lovely. That sounds quite exotic, doesn't it? I've never been to Kuala Lumpur. I can't think of any reason why I've not been or any reason why I would want to go. And uh, and somebody's written to LBC saying you need to give the Steve Allen Show a lifetime contract. Yes. So just a year then, OK, on that one? A lifetime. I never know what a lifetime contract uh, was. I never knew what a lifetime contract was. Uh, the kids of 47A. Was that Sandy Toxvic? I think that was pretty, pretty much Sandy Toxvic. I'm, I'm pretty certain, actually. Pretty certain. Joey says, I bought my Star Wars ticket an hour ago, going to a screening at 0001 tomorrow. God. Is it, is it gonna, don't, you mustn't tell us what it's like, just in case I decide to, uh, to go and see it, which I, I probably will at some point, probably on DVD. I can't see myself sitting in a, in a cinema at all. Um... Chico and the Man wasn't a Mexican programme. It was an American programme about a Mexican-American and an old man. Yeah, I mean, we knew, we knew it wasn't made by Mexican television. I think we kind of got that one. Uh, it was good, though. Chico, where you come from? Oh, it was brilliant stuff. I love it. Love stuff like that. ACDC, apparently, have just announced um, um, details of a tour coming up. ACDC, good Lord. Uh, Anne Whittacombe's column today, always entertaining, especially when she sort of mentions old Tony Beak. She loves him. She absolutely adores him. Do you know, if he turned up on our door doorstep for Christmas Day, I don't think she'd know what to do at all. She says, good luck on Saturday, Anton. Oh, blimey. She's single-handedly flying the flag for one of those creepy people on television. Uh, a Dambusters metal has been sold uh, to save lives. 
Flight Lieutenant John Hoppy Hopgood's Distinguished Flying Cross and Bar was sold at auction for 24000 His family have donated the money to the charity Water Aid, which is lovely, isn't it? Which is very nice indeed. Um, he went on to smash the uh, the Ruhr Industrial Dam. Do you remember the Ruhr Dam? The, the bouncing bomb? He'd already won the DFC twice for taking part in more than 40 raids, and he never returned from the, the mission, the 617 Squadron, Guy Gibson's most famous raid to smash the vital German dams and flood the Ruhr industrial heartland. I mean, that was the bouncing bomb. That was what it was all about. Uh, everybody talking about the lottery. £28.5 million tonight. No chance, is there? All I get is lucky dips. Lucky, I don't want lucky dips. I don't want £28.5 million. I want £50 million. I want my Christmas to be bright. Thank you very much indeed. I like the idea that, you know, somebody's going to phone you up and go, well, they're not going to phone, I'd have to phone them. And they'll say, oh, there's 20, oh, you've got two and an eight and then the six zeros. And you go, is that 28 million? No, 28 pound and no pence. It'll never be 28 million, will it? What a nice surprise that would be. What a, what a remarkable, what a remarkable Christmas I'd be going for this year. I don't know what you'd be buying first. And um, uh, do you remember a group uh, years ago, says Warren, called uh, Brother Beyond. Yes, the lead singer was uh, somebody called Nathan. That's all I remember. And he became very good friends with a friend of mine. I can't remember anything more about him. I just remember he was called Nathan. That was about... Good Lord, we got loads of your texts and emails this morning. Four Feathers uh, Fall with Nicholas Parsons. Ah, yeah. They have to be children's programmes. Gentle Ben the Bear. Ricky says, uh, great show. Can't wait for Christmas Day. Well, gentle Ben the Bear or me on Christmas Day, because I will be here sorting out your cooking problems. Johnny's in Belfast. He says, you're mad. Well, of course, it takes one to know one, I suppose. The Cisco Kid with Pancho has been shown recently. Uh, 73, number 73 with Sandy Toxvig. Who else was in it? Can anybody give me a cast list of the kids from number 73? Because I think I knew a couple of people on it. Made by Meridian Television. But if anybody knows the, uh, the cast list, do let me know. Joe 90, says D. And there was an animation where they put rings together and said Shazam to get some kind of power. But I can't. That sounds like Power Rangers, doesn't it? Uh, the Littlest Hobo, I'm sure. There's a song calling me. There's a song calling me. And that's how it went. I can't remember the rest of it, actually. That was probably rub. Stick of the Dump was very good. Terror Hawks with Zelda. Windsor Davis voiced, voiced the, uh, the French soldier, number 18, in the programme. Uh, oh, lovely. Thank you. And uh, Heidi was dubbed, says Paul. I think it was, actually. But I need the cast list from the kids from uh, 47A or whatever it was. I need the cast list because I cannot remember at this precise moment. But I think I knew one of them. I think I do. I knew one of them. Uh, Warren says, uh, we've got a lovely Christmas roast potato recipe for you this year. And we should do cooking tips. I'll be in Bournemouth, so I may give you a ring from there. 14 to 6. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 11 minutes to 6. It's uh, Wednesday morning. It's the 16th of December. I trust you're all ready for Christmas. You've done everything. All I've got to do is put money in cards. I've decided that's the easy thing this year. That's what people want. They want money. You buy somebody a present. You know, if it's somebody you've known a long, long time, well, then, you know, a present is probably appreciated, like candles or something like that. But if it's sort of somebody else, it's, it's generally money in envelopes, isn't it, really? Uh, Jason uh, has, has got a show in the West End. He's just produced it. It's a new musical version of Hans Addison's The Tinderbox. You remember The Tinderbox? You must do. It's on at the uh, the Charing Cross Theatre. Started yesterday and it's running all the way through to the 3rd of January. And uh, I don't know, I don't think they've actually got a, a website. 
I don't think they've got a website. But anyway, um, it's it's for children. It's for children. So if you want to go, uh, there's a review in the stage.co.uk and they reviewed the Tinderbox. So it runs all the way through to the 3rd of January. I think they're doing a show at 11 in the morning, so it's ideal for, for children. That's what it's for. And then one at 2pm, and I think on Sunday 20th and 21st, it's they've got three shows in the day. Wow! And on Sunday the 3rd of January, three shows. 11, 1.30 and 4pm. So uh, good luck to the Tinderbox, uh, which is on at the Charing Cross Theatre, which used to be called something else, didn't it? The Charing Cross Theatre. I think it used to be the Players' Theatre. It's lovely. They built it for the uh, Players' Theatre under the arches, directly opposite Heaven. So you go down Villiers Street, as far as I remember, and you turn to the right, and it's just down there. So that'll be the thing to go and check out if you've got little children and they want to go and see it. Or we've got the Railway Children. I did do a review of that. I think it's very good. They work very hard at the Railway Children, and it's, it's nice. just brings back great memories. Uh, Margaret Thatcher's sale, making millions. Making millions. I mean, for example, the, the Red Morocco Dispatch Box... Um, with the Royal Cipher Elizabeth II, they estimated three to five grand, as you know, if you've been listening to LBC all night. It went for £242,000. I mean, I, I mean, I can't believe it. Um, a one here, a velvet midnight blue wedding dress with muff. Always, always useful, I think. Uh, and uh, this was worn. I mean, she kept everything for her wedding to Dennis. They estimated 10 to 15. It went for 25 grand. Uh, one here, a, a pure... Pink, silk and gold lame brocade evening ensemble, 1,500 to 2,500, 47,500. Uh, the gold lame jacket and evening skirt by Aquascutum, estimated up to 1,800 quid, 30,000. I mean, the prices of these. I mean, there's a, a silver bowl inscribed, the ladies not for turning. They estimated three to 500 quid, 47,500 pounds. <laughs> Blimey. Uh, a George III diamond brooch, estimated up to £12,000, Um A Falklands, Falkland Islands anniversary of Liberation Gold Commando knife, £1,200 estimate, £15,000. A portrait signed by Ronald and Nancy Reagan, um, 1968, it was a state dinner, estimated up to £2,500, £47,500. Unbelievable prices. A Kaiser biscuit model of an American bald eagle presented to her by Ronald Reagan. They estimated £8,000. £266,000. I mean, <coughs> it was a great shame, the papers have said, that our, our uh, museums weren't the beneficiaries. These went to private people. Even her sewing kit went for something like £3,250. They estimated twelve to 1800 And so, quite clearly, I mean, this is... Uh, this is, I mean, they, they, they've actually got more items, more items. Um, the V&A Museum were not represented. They said they will be talking to the family. But uh, I didn't imagine her actually keeping her wedding dress from 1951. I wonder, well, it's probably, uh, probably quite, quite common, isn't it? But that lady silver bowl, the lady's not for turning. I remember her saying it. I've got somewhere, I wish I could find the blooming thing. It's probably worth money. I've got her rehearsing. I've got her rehearsing to speak uh, to journalists to make sure that they listen to every word. And so she was told to lower her voice and she had a speech coach. And I, I've got the uh, the tape of that somewhere. Where? Where it is? I have no idea. No idea. Uh, Phil went to see um, uh, 
ACDC when he was in his teens. He said, are they using Zimmer frames? They will get on a little bit now. Paul Hollingdale, Chris Scott, season's greetings from Vienna, where our traditional colourful Christmas markets are drawing the crowds from around Europe, including the big one in front of the Rathaus, which is their parliament. He said a young Polish couple decided to do a bit of celebrating by taking a ride in the city's famous Ferris wheel in the Prater Park, immortalised by Orson Welles. As they were enjoying their Viennese vista, they realised that their cabin wasn't moving downwards. At ground level, the owner thought everybody had disembarked, so he closed the ride down. Somehow they managed to attract attention. Eventually they were lowered slowly down where the management had quickly acquired a bottle of bubbly and offered their apologies. You don't want to get stuck on a wheel because the wheels on the uh, on the Riesenrad at the Prater, they're sealed. You, you go in there and they pull the door. It was made famous, as you know. And it says, would you believe it? Yesterday afternoon I'd returned home from attending a media meeting armed with a nice sandwich and a bottle of freshly pressed orange juice. Entered the lift. Press button three for the third floor. The door closed. Nothing happened. Tried again. Suddenly realised I was locked in. I pressed the entire control panel. It was kaput. I banged on the heavy steel doors. No response. Eventually found an alarm button. It took 20 minutes to get attention. Just as I was thinking I might have to spend Christmas in the cabin, there was a lot of noise. The door roamed and I was confronted by six burly firemen with their equipment who ordered me out of the lift. I burbled a few words in German at them, made for the staircase, forgot the orange juice and had a glass of whiskey instead. See, it's what I call a perfect end to a perfect day. We've had that. We've had the lift break down a, a few times, actually. So uh, I know exactly how you feel. I mean, luckily, you had some orange juice in there. <laughs> that was very lucky. Very lucky. Uh, Jackie likes uh, Cat Weasel, which is good. Jackie Maskell. That's a name I know very well. Well, the Maskell bit I do anyway. And uh, Harminda likes Metal Mickey. Metal Mickey. Very popular. Stranger on the Shore was about... Uh, a French exchange student who came to England to stay with an English family. Richard Vernon played the father and Acker Bilk played the theme tune, which, of course, went on to send, sell millions. How interesting. How interesting. Uh, times lip. Nobody ever remembers it. it. was here. They went through a fence at the bottom of the garden into a different time. I do not remember that. I do not remember that. Uh, who is on number 73? Let me see if I can find out here. Number 73. Have I got enough, to, yeah, enough time just to do this quickly before we go to the, uh, the news? Um, Nick Staverson. That's it. Nick Staverson did 114 episodes. Neil Buchanan, very popular, went on to make millions. He did his uh, Art Attack programme. He owned it. Sandy Toxvic uh, did well. Kim Goody. Good Lord, I've amazing how many people I remember. But Nick Staverson, I wonder what he's doing now. I wonder what Nick... So he clicks onto something else. And Nick Staverson, uh, blah, 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 blah. He's an actor and writer, uh, born in 63. So there you go. And, uh, and still working today. I like it when you can... That's what I love about the internet. Years ago... Oh, blimey, I've just crossed myself off the thing. Uh, years ago, before we had the internet, you had to go to a reference library to try and find things. And it was terribly tedious. We had a reference library at LBC and I could never get all the stuff that I uh, that I wanted out. Nowadays you click on something and within a matter of seconds you've got the information at your fingertips. Before you know where you are you can find pictures of people, you can find their biogs, you can find out if they're still alive. Uh, the singing tree. The singing tree says Kevin. I remember something about the singing tree but I can't I can't remember exactly what it was. Was it the singing ringing tree? Does that does that ring a bell with anybody? The singing ringing tree? I'm probably wrong as usual. I mean I, I generally get half the story right. Uh, except when it comes to neurofen and neurofen tension headache and neurofex espresso and uh, what they do is they actually say, you know, they the I think Nick Ferrari talked about this the other day. They they're slightly misleading. They're slightly misleading. 
Uh, the pill prices and what's actually in it. So Nurofen uh, migraine pain and Nurofen tension headache are exactly the same. Uh, and they've got uh, Nurofen sinus pain, pain relief, which have got ibuprofen in. Ibuprofen seems to feature in most things, actually. Aren't you surely just going to be better off with ibuprofen? Um, which is, I mean, there's one here, different packaging, exactly the same. £2.85 for 12 capsule, exactly the same thing. Nurofen migraine pain and Nurofen tension headache are exactly the same, just different packagings. And in fact, it's got everything in there. It's 12 capsules, targeting rapid relief, ibuprofen, lysine, exactly the same. 342 milligrams. We are seduced by special extras, ladies and gentlemen. That's the thing, isn't it? I never know. What did I take a short while ago? It wasn't ibuprofen, it was something else. It was very good, whatever it was. And somebody said, no, you can't, can't stay on it for long. It's very addictive. You've got to stay off it after about three days. And I had it for something. Oh, for the life of me, I can't remember what it was. It was what? Par what did I have? No, it wasn't that. It was sort of, it was too, it's, it's like a, an ibuprofen type of thing, but it wasn't called ibuprofen. And it, I can't remember what it was called. I hope, listen, I take so many drugs, I've got no idea. Seriously, honestly, I've got no idea now. You'd have to ask my, my chemist, Mr Shah. He'd, he'd tell you what I'm on. Which reminds me, I've got to go back. I've, I've missed out on all my... Because um, uh, they've run out of insulin, so I've got to go back and get some more. Coming up to the news at 6 o'clock this morning, it's LBC, it's Steve Allen's early breakfast. It's Wednesday the 16th of December. You have nearly finished the Christmas shopping, haven't you? You have put the tree up. Come on, come on. Make some, some leeway into it. Uh, the giant rats who ate our Christmas presents. Why would rats eat a Christmas present unless there's food in there? And why would you put Christmas presents under the tree? It's way too early. He's got little children, this man, on the front pages of the papers. Uh, the TV chef cook-off, apparently sexist. It's on the BBC. No women in it. So they're a bit embarrassed about that. Um, Jonah Lomu broke when he died. They're going to have to have a, a whip round for the children, which is awful, isn't it? Celebrating your birthday today, you will be forgotten by family and friends. And uh, I'm on a go with Daddy. UK's Major Tim blasts off. He's up there and he's getting better phone lines than we get down here. It's LBC. Good morning. On FM. Online. This is LBC. Leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Wednesday, the 16th of December. Prince Charles's decades of access to cabinet secrets. Uh, the papers are getting a bit excited about it. Um, the government have said this is quite normal practice. The heir uh, and the current monarch will have access to things. That's why he's very well informed on things, I suppose. Michelle Dockery's agony. Her fiancé has died of a very rare cancer. It's going to be a very sad Christmas for Michelle. He was only 34. Katie Price's girl has hit back and says she applies her own makeup, which of course most little girls do, but I don't think it's right that you should let her have access to public media. Maggie's sale makes millions. I mean, seriously, I mean, this is, this is, they only sold half a dozen items, and already they're sort of way over, way over. The mum's parking fine while she breastfed, and Anne Widdicombe and Tony Beak. Oh, she loves him. Oh, she, the trouble is it's become so apparent now. It's so apparent. Uh, the couple have exchanged the same Christmas cards for 37 years. That's what you call really mean. <laughs> uh, the TV chef cook-off, it's sexist because there's hardly any women there. In fact, if any at all. And uh, the NHS have been told to show dying patients a lot more respect. Yes, I agree so. I agree so. I think at the end of life you deserve that, if nothing else. And hopefully the family would be there as well. Uh, one of the papers today, The Mirror, we're looking at all those children's programmes. It's always a good standby. I hate using it on the radio. But uh, it's amazing what you're watching. It gives me a rough idea of the, the ages of you. 
Uh, Ian says, uh, Rent a Ghost, absolutely brilliant when I was a, a kid. Yes, I mean, I, I agreed so too. I can't remember all of it. Uh, and for those people who sent me all the details of the kids from 47A, which was different from the kids from uh, the other programme, was it number 73? Uh, <coughs> excuse me. So that was the different. The kids from 47A, I've, I've got. And uh, I've got it on, because I thought I'd bought the other one, to be honest with you. I knew I'd get confused, but I, I've sorted them out. Uh, since May, my insomnia worsened. My mum, who's a fan of yours for 20 years, advised me to listen to the programme, says Cassandra. And now I'm listening and laughing from 4am. There you go, you see. Well, my friend Scott, I know that he's an insomniac as well, and I know that he, he suffers with it, but at least it gives people something to listen. If you're having a cup of tea and you're sitting there with the back door open, Scott, on the, on the little garden, and uh, looking out there thinking, do you know, things could be worse. Things could be worse than uh, the not sleeping. But I know it does affect an awful lot of people. Uh, Steve in Stockwell says, I was on the tube last night at Oxford Circus and I could have sworn I was sitting opposite Fenella Fielding. Uh, she had a guy with her to help her about. I checked on the web and apparently she's 88. So it could be her. I think you'll know her through the uh, through the wig. I mean, I, I would recognise Fenella Fielding instantly. Instantly. Steve, how much did Margaret Thatcher's broomstick fetch? Well, if, if there was one, it would have been seriously an awful lot of money. I mean, the prices went completely over the top. I mean, there was, there was absolutely, you know, no no distinction between what they thought they were going for. They were way out. Way out. Phenomenally, as I say, it's, it's an awful lot of money that came. About a million pounds, I think. Uh, Nathan was my teenage heartthrob, Steve. Actually, I think I was 20. I went to see them at the Albert Hall, Brother Beyond. He jumped off stage and kissed me. Oh, wow. Anyway, uh, a short while ago at uh, Woolworths, it must have been a little while ago, in the 99p bargain bucket, I found a video. And uh, I took it home and found uh, that kiss moment and kept playing it back. So Julius says, I'm 50 now. Amanda de Cadenet used to hang around with them before Duran Duran. What ever happened to her? Amanda de Cadenet. Oh, blimey. And uh, did you know Simon Cowell's first TV appearance was on Sale of the Century? Well, it can't have been. That, was, that came out years before. Can't have been. That was a programme from Norwich, Sale of the Century. Nog in the Nog uh, was very good. Thank you, Andy in Plymouth. That's a place I need to go back to. And Torchy, the battery boy, says Philip in Bournemouth. Plus he liked Twizzle and Space Patrol. Do not remember. I do remember Francisco Space 1999. Mark, I do not remember Adventure Weekly. Children running a newspaper and investigating local mysteries. Ah, I don't remember that. I do remember Gaz Top, The Golden Shot. Not really a children's programme. And uh, Captain Caveman. Oh, right. <laughs> That's an affectionate name for somebody at LBC. Uh, Torchy, the battery boy, made in the 60s. And uh, I was amazed to see Ola Jordan being interviewed by Zoe Ball and the tribute they were giving her for 10 years service to Strictly. I thought she'd been dropped. Oh, she's ghastly. They've had to have uh, words with her uh, about what she's been saying. Apparently she's going to the Big Brother house. That's how desperately sad her life is at the moment. I don't think anybody's interested in Ola Jordan. They weren't interested in the, uh, in the husband. Uh, Mary Mingo and Mudge. Midge? Mary Mungo and Midge? And Crystal Tips and Alistair. The Double Deckers, says Mick. He says, uh, reception, uh, not good down here in Littlehampton. You do have DAB, do you? I think you'll find it should be an awful lot better. If not, then just retune it again. Tis was, says Val. Loved it. The Silver Sword with Melvin Hayes. Good Lord. Mel I don't remember that one. That's, that, that's, that's definitely... Cocodamol, thank you. See, that was my, my tablet. Cocodamol. I knew somebody would remember. It's amazing how much you remember out of the things that I've mentioned on the programme that I sometimes cannot remember. And, in fact, quite a number of people have written in to say it was Cocodamol. <laughs> Thank you. I got to that stage now 
where um, <laughs> where I um, I sort of uh, I, I do forget things. Uh, another one here. And uh, when Noel Edmonds had the house party, he would choose a viewer from their own home to take part in an adventure, which was filmed and then showed. Yes, I, mem I remember I, I loved the uh, we're going to go now. Used to love that. The snowman at the Peacock Theatre, says Jill, for three-year-olds and uh, people like that. But uh, I think the uh, the Tinder thing, I think that's quite a good idea. Don't you think so? I think that's a nice one. That should be for... Uh... Oh, it's gone again. Wait a minute. Let me just quickly do it. Now, have I done this? This is where I, I sort of do something and I don't know how I'm supposed to get rid of something on here. If I go to there. Wait a minute. No, that's not worked. Wait a minute. I shall get to it in a minute. Just just bear with me in one second. I, I push various buttons. Oh, there we go. Now start all over again. Three times I've done this now. I'm so daft on a computer. I'm supposed to know these things. They. I remember once we were in, in one particular company and they said, oh, we're going to have a computer training class. I lasted about three seconds. I said, seriously, I'm just, it has to be trial and error with me. It's no good trying to explain it to me. I'm, I'm not that kind of person. I can't read instructions on anything. I have to... Uh, I have to, uh, you know, like sort of all the things I'm doing because otherwise I just don't, I can't do it. I'm just, I'm just rubbish at these things <laughs> and computers, especially. As I say, I've got a 12 year old who knows exactly how to use uh, computers. And I, I stand back in amazement and have to go, well, you obviously know what you're doing. Uh, Richard uh, says uh, thoughts to my mum, Joyce. This morning, after 56 years, she's moving from East Dulwich to Sevenoaks. She and my late dad have been listeners to LBC since day one. And now, thanks to DAB, she will carry on listening. So all the very best today. So, Joyce, good luck with that. That's from Richard and Sarah down in Sittingbourne. So, you see, DAB, it just changes everybody's life. The amount of people, they go, I can't bear to go away, you know, knowing that I can't hear the programme in the morning. And I say, well, you need to get DAB radio. Or failing that, go to the LBC website and download the free app. And then wherever you go away, you can listen to LBC. I don't like you to disappear without uh, without being able to hear the uh, the programme. Uh, another one here, very quickly. This is from uh, from Neil on television last night. He said, a very interesting programme, the world's most expensive Christmas. Do you know, I saw the trail for it, but I didn't watch it. And it showed how much multimillionaires spend over Christmas. Boxes of chocolates, £1,000. Six crackers, £1,000 upwards. A nice wreath for your door, 800 Tree ornaments and baubles, 1,000 to 3,000 each, with the most expensive star to put on your tree, in at £600,000. Oh, and he says, and a nice sprout recipe. You see, I think that the people who admit to buying these things, Neil, I think they're the show-off ones. I think they, they would be the Tamara Ecclestons. Oh, look, I've just bought a crystal bath for a million pounds. or something. It'd be something like that. It's the show-offs. It's the shorts, because if you've seriously got money, most people with money, you don't find, you know, the, the you know the people down at Longleat and all the big country houses talking about how much they spend on things. It's only the cheap, vulgar people. That's why Tamara Beckwith would always tell you, you know, how much she spends on things, because she's vulgar. She doesn't know that, it, you know, people don't care about that. You know, you don't, do, you, do you find the Queen going, we've just spent £600 on our Christmas tree? No, their tree will be very plain. It'd be beautifully done, but it'd be very plain, and they certainly never brag about the money. They don't do it. The only person who brags about the money in the royal family is Prince Andrew, and only because he probably hasn't got any. Uh, coming up to quarter past six, still to come, for those people who missed it earlier on, um, the neighbour who was blasted out at 5.15 in the morning. Obviously can't have been listening to this programme. It's uh, Patrick Ryan. He refused to stop playing the same song on repeat. He kept playing, we got to get out of this place. we got to get out of this place. At 5.15 every morning. Anyway, now he's got uh, a harassment order and uh, he gave his neighbours abusive letters. 
Uh, he's not a very pleasant person. Uh, he's obviously a bit of a problem with drink, so he's got a few restraining orders going on. More on him in a moment, and also the mum's fury, as always, of the parking farm while she was breastfeeding her baby. It's a bit far-fetched, this one. She didn't have a receipt. She wasn't actually in the shop she was supposed to have been in. And, as I say, she could have done it all in the car. But, of course, she went... You watch, she'll turn up on the television later on today. You watch what sort of person she turns out to be. I mean, I just don't believe it. I really don't. Three hours to go shopping... Three hours? What a lazy life she must have. 6.15. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 18 minutes past six. My friend Phil Vickery wrote to me yesterday. Uh, this is after the producer wanted to muscle in and sort of start writing to Phil Vickery. Like, you know, go and find your own friends. And Phil says, I can't believe he wants to muscle in. The cheek of some people. He probably thinks I'm the rugby player. And he probably thinks you're in Star Wars. He's obsessed with Star Wars. I see, I've seen all the people on the television. No doubt they'll all turn up on this morning, won't they? Including the woman with the, uh, the £50 parking fine breastfeeding, which we'll come round to in one second. I'll, I'll only recap it because I did it at the beginning of the programme, only because it was such a good story and everybody else was talking about it. Uh, this is the mother of a newborn baby has attacked a heartless parking firm because she broke the law. I mean, she's got, she's got a, um, one of those studs in her, sort of, in her jaw... And uh, so, so, so she's attacked the parking firm because she's broken the law. It's amazing, isn't it, really? But there you go. Ada Scrivens popped out to get groceries at a retail park. Three hours later, she popped out, ladies and gentlemen, popped out uh, to get groceries. Uh, when seven-week-old Molly, she says, started whimpering and fussing. And so she overstayed the two-hour limit in free... So she popped out to get shopping three hours later... This woman must think we fell off coconut trees or something. Anyway, so she appealed. She went back there and they went, well, I'm sorry, you know, you're not just two minutes over. It's been two minutes, understand it. She's an hour, an hour. And uh, she says, I accept I was technically in the wrong. There's no technically in the wrong. You were in the wrong. Technically, it's got nothing to do with it, dear. That's why we have to explain it to you. <coughs> Excuse me, that made me cough now. And she said, it's heartless and lacks empathy. You broke their law. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Anyway, she'd picked up some food. Took her two hours to do this. She's either the world's worst shopper or she's telling porky pies. Uh, in Norwich, in October, when Molly became hungry. When Molly became... what? Molly is how old? Seven weeks old. So she picked up some food. And it took you two hours, did it? Anyway, she then left the car outside the store while she went to mother care that had childcare facilities. The detour meant she ended up leaving the car park three hours after she arrived, triggering a penalty. I was very much a fraught mum trying to get out of the house for the day with a newborn because I was getting a bit of cabin fever, says Mrs Scriven, who's got another daughter, Phoebe, who's four. It does take an hour to breastfeed. These things aren't as simple. I thought the time limit was understandable uh, to stop people abusing the free parking. What, like you? You were abusing the free parking. I don't quite understand, you know, why you would not see that. Hello. And so anyway, and then Parking Eye, who are the parking company, said, you know, she wasn't shopping in Morrison. She'd been in there. So they asked her for the receipt to prove it, you know, to otherwise people cheat the system. And I suspect she's one of those. And she said, I threw it away. Well, that's a load of old rubbish. You don't throw the receipt away before you've left the shop, do you? Anyway, a company spokesman said the mother care uh, visited by the motorist is not serviced by the Morrison's car park. There is information across the site detailing the conditions. Anyway, good news for whining Mrs Scriven after Morrison stepped in to say it would be contacting Parping Eye to cancel the fine. God, honestly. Moan enough, ladies and gentlemen, and they'll, they'll do something about it. It's ridiculous. I had cocodamol, says Paul, for an injury. Um, 
I, I remember it very well, actually. I remember it because somebody said to me, it says on the packet, do not take for any more than three days. Uh, Maddie says, later today, off to see the Osmonds. I'm meeting them before the show and having my picture taken with them. I've been a fan for over 40 years. Woo! Actually, they're still on my uh, on my site. They're still on my site, Maddie. As you know, great interview. We always get good interview with the Osmonds. They always uh, they always go uh, go one one over the top for everybody. Eight four eight five o steve at lbc dot co dot uk, and um, I like the Treehouse family on a Sunday. Okay, which is good. And uh, Michael in Paul says you do see all your rivals off. I have no rivals, not at the time I start. William Tell was very good, says Len in Manchester. And uh, the Moomins, says Paul, gave me a bit of a bit of a nightmare. I don't even remember. I was never into things like that. I was never into things like that. Uh, Dave says, I saw Fenella Fielding in an eat chain on St Martin's Lane. And uh, Pipkins, I remember, swap shop with uh, Regina. And uh, another one here. Be great if Carol donated the funds to the food banks in the country, says Peter in Glasgow. Why should she? Why should she? Doesn't have to. Doesn't have to, to do anything like that at all really doesn't. Uh, a lot of people talking about vegetarianism because a lot of the chefs on the telly are all doing veggie. Oh, that looks nice, doesn't it? Uh, somebody have just shown me little sausages and pigs in blankets. Ooh, yummy, yum, yum. Could eat stuff like that. Uh, front pages of the uh, the papers to uh, to finish off. Uh, Sarah Vine talking about sorry chaps, but women love sleep far more than sex. We do if you've got a family because, you know, you just need to get a little bit of a rest. Uh, Downton's Michelle Agony as cancer kills fiancé. That's uh, John Deneen, only 34. It really is just heartbreaking, isn't it? Keep asking yourself the same question. If there is a God, where is he at the moment? Uh, revealed by the Freedom of Information Act, how a prince gets politically sensitive files. Not really that um, politically sensitive. I don't think they're that excited. I don't think they're that excited by it. And so he gets in a, uh, secret papers on the innermost workings of government. And so he's a little bit better equipped to talk about it. Otherwise, we'd go, oh, he doesn't know anything, does he? Doesn't know anything. Uh, astronaut Tim blasts off on six-month space mission. Uh, oil crisis will hit pensions, apparently. Millions could be forced to delay retirement. Uh, the son, Downton's Michelle's fiancé, dies of cancer at 34, so she's organised the, the funeral. And the rap over dying patients' care, the official warning to doctors, show some respect. That's all you, that's all you want at the end of life, isn't it? For, for you, for your parents, your relatives, anything like that. You just want a bit of respect, you know, as you exit this world and go hopefully into an even nicer place. You know, a little bit of respect goes a long way. May the force be with you, Dad. And this is uh, Tim Peake bidding an emotional farewell. He was only up there for a few minutes before they started making phone calls backwards and forwards. Brilliant quality. Not to know how much that cost. Perhaps they were on three minutes or something. Uh, Star Wars tonight. The uh, the fans are out there. There's only a few of them. There's not, you know, not tons and tons of them in uh, Leicester Square. And presumably by the time we sort of finish this morning, there'll be a few more of them. And they're all dressing up as well. They dressed up in Los Angeles. They will dress up over here as well. Some people have come as, you know, different creatures. And then they dress the babies up. And then they... It's slightly odd, isn't it? I mean, it must be one of the only films where people dress up, unless you can think of, of any others, which would be very, very funny, actually. Um, another one here. Uh, which is talk front page. Sorry, I must do the uh, the front page of the Daily Star. Giant rats ate our Christmas. Monster rats, they say, have uh, wrecked a family's Christmas by eating their presents. Well, they shouldn't be under the tree anyway. How foolish are you? They're supposed to be delivered by Father Christmas. Why are you putting them under the tree? Dad Dwayne Williams said of their vermin-infested council house, "It's a total disaster. My kids are terrified." 
Well, you know, pfft, I don't know what to say, really. I don't know what to say. I can't think of any sort of any sort of reason why you'd have giant rats eating. Or is it just... I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, looking at the size that uh, that Dwayne is, you could obviously do with losing a bit of weight, so perhaps that'll be quite beneficial for him. Uh, Mum, Nicola Woolley. OK, so wait a minute. Who's he? Wait a minute. Nic Mum, Nicola Woolley. So he's, he's Dwayne Williams and she's Nicola Woolley. They're obviously not married. And... Um, uh, they turned to the local authority for help. Soon after moving into the council accommodation, Dwayne spotted rat droppings in the bathroom, so he left his laptop camera recording there, and um, he was shocked to see a black rat scurrying around. Well, there you go. Um, a city council spokesman said when the house was handed over, there wasn't a problem with rats. So Dwayne is now staying in a hostel with the couple's other children. They've obviously got loads of them. And uh, the four-year-old's very scared and everything else. But, uh, you know, so pfft, there you go. Council say they weren't there when they moved in. They move in and all of a sudden the rats move in. Doesn't make any sense, does it? You know. You know where most rats come from in your houses? The toilet. They come from the toilet. You know why? Why, Stephen? Why, Stephen? Where do they come from? Because the only water in the toilet is in the U-Bend. It's just a little tiny bit of water. So a lot of people who live in basement flats... You know, I don't want to frighten you or anything like that. But when you go to bed at night, put the toilet seat down. I think that's safer, isn't it? Because some people keep snakes and it goes into the... into the. Do your pardon? Well, loads of people keep snakes. I keep snakes. I keep snakes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> but but people, they go into, into the toilet system and then they, they climb that. So you can get into the, into the bathrooms and people have had rats in their things and they see them and they just jump back in the toilet because rats swim. Rats swim, so it ought to frighten you if you're living in sort of an old house, but the chances are. They say in London you're never more than six feet away from a rat. Six, I think it's closer than that. The producer's a lot closer. So, I mean, I think, you know, six feet away from a, from a rat. Uh, more on uh, Ed, Ed Gleave has done a, a story about Nancy Delusional. This is the woman who can't sell tickets for anything at all. I mean, because the British public aren't remotely interested. And because she's uh, she hasn't got any money at the moment, she's having to do anything. So she's got, they call it financial troubles. I mean, I thought she was a hotshot lawyer. It turns out apparently not so. They say she signed a six-figure deal. Well, that'd be £13, five and threepence halfpenny, I suppose. But uh, they say she's appeared on a string of TV shows. <laughs> yeah, and dreary on every one of them. She is the most boring person. I mean, put it this way, it's the worst lineup in recent years. There's a cocaine addict, uh, there's a very fat bird, and somebody used to be married to David Bowie, and that's about as good as it's going to get, and now Nancy Delusional. <gasps> Who cares? Who really cares, ladies and gentlemen? I mean, it's just not good enough, is it? Not good enough. Rocky Horror was never, ever, ever a children's programme. Far too frightening to be a children's programme, ladies and gentlemen. But uh, that's where we have to leave it for today. Uh, front page, oh, very quickly, of the, uh, of the Metro... They've, uh, they've got Downton star Michelle laying her fiancé to rest. The travel nightmare for Christmas, which is the front of the eye. You need to get this one because the rail links to the country's two biggest airports shut down. Hundreds of thousands from across the country will be hit. So every year, isn't it, we get this. Every year we get this kind of, you know, your Christmas is going to be ruined. Heathrow and Gatwick could be cut off for Christmas. They reckon the rail line suspended for up to 10 days. So people flying out of Britain will face disruption. Stay tuned to LBC. We'll have all the, uh, the details on that for you. Thank you for your company. I'll be back with you uh, tomorrow morning.
Don't forget the 4am spike. Tell your friends if you want a, a different way of looking at the newspapers. We have it. And uh, we have it every single morning between 4 and 6.30. Plus, I'm also here on Saturday morning with the best of. Go to the LBC website. You can listen to LBC whenever you want. If you download the free LBC app for your mobile or tablet and never miss a moment. Follow me on Twitter at Steve Allen Show. Leading Britain's conversation at 7. Nick Ferrari with breakfast. And, of course, he's got Dave Prowse on. But right now, Lisa Aziz with the morning news. <laughs> 